Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes Hello, everyone out there in Geek Fabs Nation. This is another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and review the shows of the week. we got another awesome show for you guys tonight. Um, we're going to be going over AEW and NXT, which is lovely because we do this show on a Thursday. And it's about, you know, the the apparent Wednesday Night Wars. But really, when it comes down to it, the two, I think, best uh, wrestling shows for different reasons that you can possibly watch uh, today, actually. You know, pay-per-view-wise, I think I give the, the it, it to New Japan most of the time. Um, probably NXT and AEW almost. It, it's a hard mix for their two pay-per-views. Uh, it's, it's hit or miss sometimes with... With either of them, actually, you know, most mostly hits, I would say. But either way, to to walk along this this wonderful uh, bumpy road is is another, well, not really bumpy, but a uh, road nonetheless. Is my co-host Christopher Brotheroy Patton? How you doing t- tonight, sir? Oh man, you said bumpy, and I thought we were going over fucking raw again. I was like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's more like uh, cobblestone, uh, marble. traditional uh road in france (laughs) or italy traditional road in france definitely not our road especially in the (laughs) uh i'm doing good man it's it's been a good week we had two awesome shows last night so i'm excited to talk about those how's your week going buddy it is uh it's it's going good um I have uh, surgery. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing this on a Thursday night. Uh, usually, you know, for all of our lo- new listeners, we do two sh- shows a week. Uh, one on a Thursday night uh, about AEW and NXT. And uh, we try to get that up Friday or Saturday after recording. And then we do a Saturday show uh, where we force ourselves to talk about Monday Night Raw and uh, SmackDown, which has been much better lately. And we do that, like I said, on Saturdays and try to get out on Sunday and Monday. So definitely continue uh, listening. We, we appreciate you trying this out. Uh, it's a fun show that we get to do. I forgot where the hell I was going with this uh, initial comment that brought me on the uh, shows. Uh, you left us in suspense. You said you had a, a surgery coming up. That's right. Okay, so this week... Like I said, filming on a Thursday. Tomorrow, I am getting my deviated septum corrected. So, a uh, very small procedure. Somehow explained to me, like, liposuction, which I don't really know what the hell that means exactly. Uh, but they're clearing up my, my nasal passage, and I can finally breathe out of both nostrils. Since I've only been able to breathe pretty much primarily out of one or the other, trading off uh, since I, I was a kid, actually. It runs in my family. And, uh, you know, my 20s probably also, for whatever reason, get my nose broke or, or, or whatnot might have contributed towards it. But, um, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to breathe easy, Chris. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. Did they say, uh, are you going to talk any differently now that you can breathe better? Is that going to throw throw me off the next time I talk to you? They said that I'm probably going to sound like Keith David, uh, from the guy who uh, is from the popular cartoon Gargoyles. He did Goliath's voice. Uh, automatically, <laughs> it either transforms into that or possibly in a Jim Cornette. It's weird. It's however genetically you just deal with it. High pitched and annoying, or deep and beautiful and sexy. <laughs> I don't. I have. Oh. Obviously, I'm ribbing yeah, but uh, I I don't I don't think so. Uh, I'm just hoping that you know it helps with the whole breathing aspect. It's uh, something that's it's probably important, I believe. Yeah, breathing is good. Definitely gonna send you uh, sending you some well wishes, and uh, I'm sure everything will go good. But keep you in my thoughts in general as uh, you go through this. This surgery, man. That's a that's a it's it is it's just a small procedure. I'm assuming they do this all the time. I don't know anything about uh about this stuff. Me neither. Apparently, I don't need uh, any uh, happy drugs for it. They were thinking about giving me a Vicodin and a Percocet, um, which our younger listeners don't look that up on Google. Don't worry about what the hell those things are. Anyways, but you know for for pain. But they said that I probably am not going to need it. It's really. Uh, they're going to numb my face and uh, go in there and, I guess, suck out the uh, whatever the hell is clogging my nostrils. It's a really great conversation to start the show, I think. <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm sure the listeners are glad to know that you're going to be okay and hopefully able to breathe a lot better. You're going to have so much oxygen, you're not going to know what to do with it. Way too much energy coming uh, towards you guys in the future. <laughs> yeah, and I guess just you know anyone who listens to our shows, uh, if I sound different, I'm might be a little bit swollen. I don't know exactly what my breathing. It, it's going to be congested in the next couple of days until, obviously, it heals up inside the uh, the. So basically, if you're listening to our next show, I might sound different probably, but I'm gonna I'm gonna push on. We have me and my good friend uh, Nick Smith, who's been a part of Geek Vibes obviously in the past, but uh, took a break. We're going over uh, Cobra Kai, season one and two. Now that it's on Netflix and I can uh, finally watch it. You know, the stupid thing is I've had YouTube bread for the last couple of years. And I never checked it out. But now that it's on Netflix, I'm going to do it since it's trendy. But uh, definitely enjoy the show. So look for a review of those. Probably put it up as a Dane Rants or as a Monday Suck episode just to give it a title that, that you guys know. So uh, look for that. Uh, why aren't you on this train yet? Do you not like karate? What's wrong with you, Chris? You haven't watched this yet. I haven't, man, but I've been just swamped with uh with NHL playoffs and then catching up on wrestling and work. So I have outside of uh sports and wrestling, I have watched a dick all <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. No, it it makes sense. I would definitely actually recommend it. Um it's it's to Karate Kid what the two Creed movies were to Rocky. They really tried to I don't know, take I, I love both those franchises and and the first Rocky was actually a great dramatic movie, but obviously they had those 80s cheese to them, and it takes them into more of a an intelligent, very well-written uh, dramatic way, and uh, same would be said, like I said, for Cobra Kai. It's an it's awesome show. Uh, if you're a fan of the first Karate Kid, it's, still, it's got Easter eggs from all the original ones. I don't think that Jaden Smith will be showing up, which is a good thing. And uh, yeah, just uh, check it out. I'm I'm I, I'm obsessed, and I ha- I'm pissed. I have to wait until March uh, for the next season. But Stranger Things is coming next month. Uh, either way, this is probably not wrestling related. 
I should probably get back on track with that. What What do you think, Chris? Should we give the people what they want? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, it's it's not as as like we we keep on saying it's not as much of a slog as uh, getting through Raw. Um, because like I said, I've I've enjoyed SmackDown as of recently. I've been checking out a lot of stuff. You know, we can kind of go into this. Uh, I checked out Ring of Honor, uh, their their first new episode, and they're do- they're in the midst of a tournament to figure out the next or the new Ring of Honor Pure Champion. So they're separating that and continuing continuing its its lineage. And the advancements were the tag team champions, I believe. They're the tag team champions, but um. Gresham on on his side, and of course the amazing you know not not to take it away from uh, Gresham, but you know Jay Lethal won his side against Dalton Castle, unfortunately for Dalton. But the the uh, thing has a lot of people involved in it, um, you know past champions and whatnot, and uh, the only one that's been um, that has potential to be a two time. Uh, is Jay Lethal because he's won it before in the past, the, uh, the the pure Ring of Honor championship. So that's uh, pretty interesting. A lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I want to check out NWA's uh, new thing that they have going on, although it's a pay-per-view you got to pay for. They're doing on a monthly basis, a little mini one. Uh, Nick Aldis went against Mike uh, Bennett. So, you know, just uh, wrestling seems to be coming back slowly but surely, Chris. You know, New Japan's got... Two separate entities, one over here in the States that's in a show for us that they're trying out, and then one obviously over in Japan, uh, keeping up with that. But we're, we're with this pandemic, you know, it seems like we're getting back to a little bit of normalcy within the wrestling world. And it helps that Impact came back, and obviously that, if I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade, that WWE and AEW have been doing this since the beginning of it. And gotten better. Yeah, I mean, it's yes. That, that, I think that's the big thing is that um, seeing their success and running these empty shows, and um, and seeing Impact come back, it's opened up some of the doors for some of the. I don't want to say smaller because I think Ring of Honor and Impact are kind of at the same level to some extent. But obviously, seeing Ring of Honor come back and in, in full swing and coming straight into a tournament, there's a lot of good wrestling out there for sure. A lot to be watched, and uh, we are on the cusp of the G1, which is very, very fucking exciting. Yeah, how excited are you for that, man? It's it's interesting this year. Um, I, I need to go and dig and see. I mean, obviously, there's 20 participants, similar to all the previous years. Uh, and whoever wins, it looks like Naito is going to be carrying this thing. But um, lots of weird storylines are going to be able to tell throughout this. And I, man, I just, I really need to go through the participants and start working on my bracket. That's another thing I get excited about every year. So I, I mean, I'm fucking stoked. It's my favorite, favorite time of year is G1. We get some of the best matches of the year. So I don't think they're going to disappoint us at all. Um, it's, I haven't done the best job of keeping up with new Japan headed into this as opposed to previous years. So that's going to be the, it's going to be a lot of catch up in my future. I, I have a, I have a feeling. Yeah. Once those, uh, results, the brackets and everything get announced, uh, we should definitely go over it. Um, 
it's always fun, like you said, to go over. It's it's keeping up with the damn thing. That's the hardest, though. Uh, usually <laughs> it ends up with me asking you what matches to watch for which night or the, <laughs> one or the other. Just because, I mean, it's you, you know how it is, man. They It's night after night after night after night of match, 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 match. It's, it's a lot, but it's great fucking wrestling. And uh, some of my favorite wrestling to watch for the actual pure wrestling vibe. Uh, I don't have the brackets. They have the first 10 matches posted. So maybe once we get through uh, NXT and AEW, we can run down these real quick. Oh. They did have the bet. They have the betting odds of these posted up. So uh, we can, we can talk about some of the matches that are going to be good. And some of them that are going to be not so good, but there's a couple of really good ones in these first 10. Hell yeah. Have you gotten a chance to watch the first two matches on the uh, ring of honor, uh, pure championship tournament at all? Good stuff, by the way. I have not, but uh, I I intend on checking those out probably this weekend for sure. Because like you said, Jay Lethal, uh, it's was his first match back uh, versus Dalton Castle, which was a match I was looking forward to. I think we actually talked about it over the weekend. I just haven't had a chance to. Uh, I was in a rush to finish both of the shows <laughs> from last night and today, so uh, I'm a little bit behind. But I am looking forward to that match. And, and it sounds like uh, you, as you said, it it was so it was pretty good. Um, I yeah. guess going off what you, what you said, so. It was good. One thing that was weird, and this kind of transitions us into the next show, um, is Matt Seidel is in the tournament, and he's popping up, I believe, next week uh, to go against someone on Dynamite, they they announced. So uh, apparently, I, I don't think he's signed permanently, obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but for uh, AEW, uh, because he's, he's, he's in this tournament with the Ring of Honor. So uh, kind of an interesting side note. Did he bust ass upon showing he, up? He hasn't had his match yet. Oh my god! I'm being the elite. They made it. They made uh, it look like Michael Nakazawa was accidentally the person that did it because he got a bunch of oil all over the uh, turnbuckle. Uh, <laughs> that's how they. Uh, it's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's talk about AEW. I I had a lot of fun with both shows. Uh, I've just been I've I've been I've been impressed, man. Uh, last week, I thought both shows had a lot of good stuff in them, and uh, yeah, you know, it's always a fun night. It's always a fun night. Um, oh, actually, beforehand, this is not 100% confirmed, uh, but since we're going into AW, the only bit of news I can think of: uh, Chris Jericho was on uh, Takas Jericho. He was talking to uh, Thunder Rosa, and if you haven't had a chance. To listen to it, great interview. Uh, it made me love Thunder Rosa even more. The fact that she's this good, uh, and she started a little bit older in her career to to do wrestling and MMA, and she's still a badass, and she's very advanced for the amount of time she's been in wrestling and traveling to Japan and you know just doing everything. And uh, on the show, Chris Jericho mentioned that another AEW or possible, I should say, AEW superstar. Uh, got signed. Now, this is not 100% official. Uh, if they haven't, I don't know why the fuck they haven't, but he this mentioned uh, in, in conversation, talking about Tony Khan, uh, I got NWA Women's Champion Thunder Rosa. She had a hell of a debut on Dynamite last week, and a great match against Serena Deeb. Uh, got Serena Deeb uh, signed, actually, I believe. And that 
that is the gist of the conversation. Like I said, uh, just like with Will Hobbs, you know, they just made the announcement the other day he was officially signed with all, all Elite. Uh, Miro got one. You know, if it's if it's a hundred percent, usually they make an announcement for it. So maybe Chris is, um, you know, not informed correctly. But I will say I, I find it funny, and I'm not. You know, I, I love Britt Baker. I, I love uh, Nyla Rose. I like a lot of the aspects. Riho, but we haven't seen her. Uh, Hikaru Shida. Uh, but some of the best wrestling, uh, you know, a- including Hikaru Shida, but with Deeb, with Ivelisse, uh, with Thunder Rosa, none of those girls are actually signed to AEW. And uh, I think they provided some of the better wrestling. And I heard, uh, now this is, this is a uh, it's kind of a rumor. I, I definitely say that the source, to, you know, is not a bad source. I forgot who was providing it, but I just don't really think that this happened. But um, Ivelisse does have a background of being kind of hard to work with. Apparently, her and Thunder Rosa were not getting along in the match, and it became very stiff. Uh, and there was some stuff in the back afterwards. But like I said, I don't believe that. But either way. Uh, what do you think this means for Serena Deeb? Do you think that that Chris Jericho, who would probably know, maybe said something ahead of them wanting to officially debut it, or was he speaking without actually knowing if she got signed or not? I mean, I I'm gonna go ahead and assume that if Chris Jericho came out and said it and leaked it on the podcast, he's done this in the past. It was at least talked about bringing her in. Now maybe the contracting negotiations and stuff didn't work out the way they thought they were but uh, i mean after that match with uh oh man uh, thunder rosa and that intro match one of the best female matches they've had on at least on dynamite uh it's it would it would make sense to bring her in i think that me and you both talked about that it's like you should sign both of these uh ladies if you can uh, just because he had such a great match and i think those two specifically would bolster the the female division because they're Outside of Hikurashida, it seems like a lot of what they wanted to do was hurt by the pandemic and bringing in people from stardom. And it seems like maybe they've turned to a more local outlet of wrestling and they found some really good uh, female wrestlers. Now, I don't know with Thunder Rosa how that works out and shakes out with NWA, if she's going to be able to do both. Uh, but I would assume if you have the chance to sign both of them, there's no reason why you shouldn't. Um, the Eva Lee stuff I'm not going to speak on just because I don't know as much about her past. I did also hear that rumor, but uh, for sure with Thunder Rosa and, and Serena D, there's a there's a lot, it's a lot of talent there and a lot that you could do. And I think Thunder Rosa once again proved it on this show just how damn good she is. Um, I mean, she easily has came in and kind of cemented herself as the best person on the roster without being on the roster, which is kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> Yeah, definitely one of my favorite performers on it, uh, for sure. Uh, so I guess a follow-up question involving this, uh, you know, more... Uh, and I, like I said, I hope that Deeb did get signed. I think that that would be a very good signing, not just for having a great female wrestler, but someone that can really help nurture in the back uh, that has a lot of experience. And she's still in her early 30s. You know, she's been in wrestling for a long time, so I definitely would like to see that for her. Uh, but NWA Women's Championship match on this AEW Dynamite we're about to talk about. I, I guess it always goes back to 
when the fuck is the, uh, you know, and I love having the women's champion, but when's the men's heavyweight champion going to pop up on AEW? Because Nick Aldis, we don't have to do him and Cody, because obviously it doesn't really work with where Cody is right now uh, to kind of challenge him, but they could have him show up, maybe have a match with someone, uh, maybe Dustin, you know, that just to throw that out there, I guess. That would be an awesome match. Um, but do you think that we'll see Nick Aldis in the next coming months pop up on AEW Dynamite in some form? I I kind of go back and forth on this because it, the, your heavyweight champion is John Moxley, and the reason they brought in Thunder Rosa was to have a champion versus champion match to some extent, and now she's kind of stuck around after that. But you bring him in, you have to put him, you have to give him a meaningful win in some sort of match headed into a title match. If they go that route, it could be a situation where Billy wants to protect the character a little bit with Nick Aldis and the 10 pounds of gold and doesn't necessarily want him taking a loss on TV. I mean, that's they're selling pay-per-views around Nick Aldis right now, so. I yeah, would, he would love have to see it, but I, 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 he almost would have to come in and get like a really strong win against a top competitor. Yeah, that's that's why I, I threw Dustin out as a uh, possibility. I kind of goes back to Cody, but you know, obviously Cody's got all the things going on with him, and Dustin's someone that it doesn't matter if he takes a loss, especially if it's to the NWA champion, because you know we just had uh, NWA. For the, the the women's title on the line with Thunder Rosa and Ivelisse, like I said, Ivelisse still I don't think is 100% confirmed with AEW, but you get what I'm saying. She's still the AEW person in this scenario, and she lost to Thunder Rosa for the belt. So I could just, I mean, if they want to, it's definitely going to help out NWA to get some exposure on AEW, especially when they start coming out with their new shows, because they got these primetime events that they're doing. I believe they're called primetime something. Uh, and they obviously have brought back the 10 pounds of gold series again. But it's going to be a minute before we probably get the power. So, you know, take advantage of it, I, I would I would uh, guess. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. But I could also see, like I said, if, if you're looking at it from a more old school perspective, you wouldn't necessarily want your top guy being Nick Aldis to go in and take any kind of loss or significant loss. And that kind of puts you in a situation of, well, we have to, now we have to do some kind of weird finish or a time limit draw. And then people are going to want that to lead to another match. So the way you bring him in is almost key if you're going to do it. And I don't know that him versus John Moxley would be the best match to have. Now, if, if Moxley would have lost to MJF, and you're bringing in Aldis versus MJF, and you want to do some kind of weird finish with MJF as a heel, probably makes a bit more sense. You kind of pigeonholed yourself a little bit in doing something like this with having Moxley as the top guy right now. Yeah, no, and that's why, like I said, I wasn't trying to include Moxley in the scenario. I was kind of more saying, like, someone of the stature of a Dustin Rhodes or something like that. Like I said, like, the biggest thing, obviously, he's got... Not only uh, some some stuff with Marty Skrull that needs to happen because of their storyline and them been building up, but also Cody. So he can't do Cody. I wouldn't go for a championship versus champion match. I would say have him come there, put his presence out, you know, 
put, you know, just, just throw it out there to have a match, maybe not even a title match. He obviously goes over, maybe has one more for the title against someone that, like, like I said, Dustin, I think, is a good example of it. And then you go from there. Maybe he comes back later when Cody's back in full form. And you can kind of go back in that storyline where Nick obviously would probably have to win once again to uh, win the rubber match. But even if Nick wins, I, I don't have a problem with it. But, yeah, I, I don't think you should go after Moxley. Yeah, I, my, my worry would just be that that's what fans' mind would go to immediately or go after you know Brody Lee for the, at least the television championship. And, I, man, there's so many male they've brought in so many people on the male roster. I mean, there's a lot of guys you could have them have a match with. I think Dustin, the, the choice of Dustin would make the most sense if you're just going to have a guy take a loss. But then again, God, <laughs> Dustin's like the Brooklyn brawler. <laughs> if you do that. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying. I just, you would want it to be a big standout match and Nick Aldis to be highlighted on a pay-per-view. And I mean, Cody would be that guy, I would think. But like you said, he's tied up in a tied up in kind of a storyline already. So, yeah, I, I would love to see Nick Aldis there. I just I, for me, I don't know how you would book it. And it makes sense for both companies. Whereas with Thunder Rosa, they have continued to highlight her on the program. Well, and maybe I, you got just do a similar thing. I don't know. Um, did you hear about Jeff Cobb and how he. Uh, turned AEW down. He's going to Japan soon and uh, doing full time in New Japan. Signed full time with them. I I did not hear that, mm. but I I was under the assumption that he signed with them. Uh, but he is in the uh, G1. He's in one of these ten matches that I was talking about earlier. So that makes a lot of sense. It's too bad he would have been great at AEW. Uh, I know that beforehand. I guess I think it was Ring of Honor related, which was the issue. And now, obviously, to this uh, time period, he's done with Ring of Honor, but he wants to go to Japan. And uh, I kind of I always find that pretty awesome when a wrestler's like, "Fuck it, I'm going over there because it's prestigious to not go to AEW or you know uh, WWE, basically." Yeah, and I mean he's he's coming in at the perfect time to be highlighted if they're going to do something with a guy coming in. Uh, to the G1, there's a lot of stuff that you can do with Jeff Cobb there, and he's going to have some great matches, I'm sure. So um, sometimes timing is everything as well. And uh, I, right now, I mean, when they brought him into AEW, they had him as part of the inner circle. And I don't really know that he would be better off there, even if the money was right, you know, as, as far as they've brought in so many big guys. They're similar to what Jeff Cobb would bring you. That he, I think he, to some extent, he would get lost in the shuffle. Whereas in New Japan, he kind of stands out a little bit more. And I do respect that, like saying, eh, "There's contract offers out there, but uh, I really want to go work in Japan." It's uh, it's commendable, I would say, uh, for sure. But uh, let's get into AEW, man. Um, like I said, la- uh, last night had two pretty good shows. Uh, good wrestling, not a lot. That happened, per se, when it comes to um, advancing storylines. I don't think too much, but a lot of good wrestling and just a lot of good stuff in general. Um, All right, so we start off AEW. The opener is going to be Jurassic Express and FTR. And uh, as you know, our young bucks are angry. 
They're mad about, I guess, getting screwed over because of Hangman and Kenny and just they, they can't handle it. So they come out and they just go up to the, the referee. It's Jurassic Express is in the ring. That's it. FDR hasn't made their uh, their their entrance. Uh, and they just fucking super kick the shit out of the uh, referee and then go in the back. And I have to say, I, I thought kind of cheesily going up to grill position where Tony Khan was and throwing him a like a stack of money, I guess, trying to pay off what they just did against the referee. But uh, they're not going to take it. No, they're not going to take it. The Jacksons aren't going to uh. take it anymore, especially Road Warrior Buck. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I. it's not that... It, 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 it pains me to say this because I do love the Young Bucks, but them trying to act intimidating. If they're doing swarmy heel where they're just pricks like they did in New Japan and Ring of Honor before, they're great. I think that they're fine. But trying to pretend that they're tough, yeah, I'm just not buying it. They, they went back by FTR. They kind of gave them a bunch of shit. Them and Tully didn't say anything. Just, you know, grr, went like that to them. Um I think that God, I, I don't want to keep on burying this. I just thought it was silly as hell. Uh, what do you think about that part before we get into the match? So I guess the good, the the big question here is: Are the Young Bucks heels? I don't know. I don't even know with Kenny. <laughs> I don't know with them. It's very confusing. Why are they mad at Tony Khan? That's because <laughs> he fined them five thousand dollars each for. Uh, kicking fathead even though he was fine in a segment that would come out later on fucking stupid yeah i mean I, this would make more sense if they were constantly getting screwed over by tony Khan since day one or something and that they finally hit their breaking point with the fine um this would be more like I don't know. This would be something more like you would do with Kevin Nash when he had his baby face run in WCW and they banned the power bomb and he just started power bombing motherfuckers and paying the fine each week. That was pretty awesome. It makes if you do it like that, it makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, it just came off kind of cheesy and it's it's like they're attacking the referee when they could just attack FTR, who they're who they should actually be mad at. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Why it's, have they not mentioned? Hey. When the fuck are we gonna get our title match? Because we're upper, we're we're higher in the rankings, and we beat the fucking team you're going against tonight. Like, well, I I brought that up when they originally announced this match. It's it would have been nice to be like if you wanted a reason for them to be pissed off and continue to do shit like this. Last week when this happened and this match was announced and and they got they caught that fine, you could have said that they their ranking was stripped. So they basically had to start back at the bottom. That would have been cool. Which would have made more of a reason for them to be pissed off and pay the fine, but they didn't do that. They just fined them. So, yes, you're correct. <laughs> In theory, they should be the number one contenders for this title, not Jurassic Express. Ranking systems and shit. But, um, yeah, that was the Young Bucks. That was them uh, for the rest of the evening. Um. But, uh, yeah, just a very interesting way of going about it, I think, with them. And like I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a dick. It's not that I'm not a fan of the Young Bucks, but trying to take them seriously as being two tough guys is a fucking joke. It just it doesn't work out. <laughs> well, 
I, I could take them seriously as two people being very pissed off at ownership for getting screwed out of a title shot or something. I I, I think it's just been booked very poorly. But yeah, the Road Warrior <laughs> Jackson had me crack it up. God damn it. Uh, anyways, but we had a pretty awesome match, I think, between FTR uh, and Jurassic Express. And FTR pulled, uh, I guess, veteran moves, or maybe I should say New York moves, because they were like, no, you know, it, I think this was... I saw. I think it was on Twitter, but basically, uh, they said we're not putting the titles on the line. They gotta beat us to be able to fucking get get a title match. So this was positioned as a, as a title match, I think originally, and now it was a non-title. But uh, man, I, I think this this match. The biggest thing that I have to say is Jungle Boy and his unlimited potential in the future with wrestling. And you know, I think that. Obviously, he's got a big uh, female calling, and that's good to bring that demographic into it. Um, Good-looking kid, you know. And when you have veterans like Jim Ross that compares you to Kerry Von Erich, or you have someone, and as much of a stickler as he is, you know, Jim Cornette, who said that in a certain scenario, especially selling-wise, he has the potential to be someone like a Ricky Morton. That's huge compliments. Uh, from two old school guys, and uh, like I said, I I just think that he had a good wrestling match, man. I mean, that is it's funny that that this is a thing, but that's FTR's thing, and uh, I thought they did a great job, like their usual stuff, uh, splitting the, the ring in half, keeping it in uh, one situation, and finally he got uh, Luchasaurus in. Luchasaurus, I think, has been doing better. I don't know if he took advice from someone or something, but. You know, he did get some spin kicks later on a couple times. I think it was a knock. Um, either, either I was about to say uh, Scott Dawson. Um, either Dax or or Cash off the uh, off the um, the fuck. What the hell? White apron. I'm sorry. Um, to try to get a pin, but he was doing more power hits, pump kicks, uh, throwing people around, and acting more of a monster, which is good. And uh, I, I I just like the the uh, the match. The ending would go down with Wheeler takes a double knee shot from Jungle Boy and falls into the corner, where Harwood tags in. Uh, Jungle Boy takes it to Harwood as well. However, hitting a diving crossbody off the top uh, for another near fall that Wheeler breaks up just in time. Jungle Boy, the man with the best uh, schoolboy roll up in the business. That's what the guy who wrote this off of wrestling headlines thinks. Apparently. <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there. Only gets two again in a pin attempt. He hits a top uh, suicide dive uh, through the ropes, splash, er, splashing, but moments later is knocked down and covered by one member of FTR, while the other distracts the referee's line of vision as Blanchard held the foot outside the ring apron on the floor. Your winners, uh, champions FTR. And uh, like I said, I, I think this was... A good match. I like that one sequence where Jungle Boy was like rolling up uh, Cash and just kept on getting him and uh, just showing, you know, yeah, he does the dives to the outside. I wish in general it might happen less, especially for the bigger guys, because it's like, come on, like, I love it once in a while, but when they're doing it often, it's like that's something that the little guys have as an advantage and always has been since back in the uh, jun- the junior division in Japan and then the cruiserweight division WCW. So sometimes it's like, all right, can we just like cut back a bit? But Jungle Boy's still got a very old school style to him that I very much like. And he's not 
too crazy. He's he's just enough, I would say. And uh, like I said, unlimited potential for him. I liked FTR acting like heels. Uh, I love Tully Blanchard as their manager. I thought this was good stuff, pretty much. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty solid match. I, it, they, they definitely tried to make Jungle Boy look strong. He had like a bazillion near falls in this match. Like I will yeah. say that. Um, and then at the end, he kind of got fucked over uh, by Tully and uh, who did he, he actually? Was Cash and, and Blanchard um, helped flip Dax over, reversing that cradle pin. So I mean, it's not like Jungle Boy just got demolished or anything. So overall, I thought it was a pretty good match. There was, I like the hot tag into Luchasaurus, like you said, having more of a big guy come back using the pump kicks. Um, to set up that moonsault, I think works way better. It doesn't just, it doesn't seem as slow. It seems more like what you would do if you were Luchasaurus's size, maybe minus the moonsault, but it, that should, he's just going to do that because it's super impressive, but there's no reason for him not to. Um, but the setup in general, I thought was really good. And uh, I mean, just all around good in ring shit. Wouldn't expect anything less from FTR. I think Jungle Boy looked really, really good. Um, a lot of near falls. That's the only thing I would say. But like I said, they were, they were trying to uh, make Jungle Boy look strong here, and I think they did an okay job of that. And it doesn't really hurt them to take a loss here, I guess. They lost to the champion. Maybe maybe they'll set up a, another match since he technically got fucked over by, by Tully and, and Cash. All right, so you remember my idea about uh, maybe, maybe it's during Halloween if they were to do this, but I was saying the Young Bucks should dress up. Obviously, Nick is Bobby Eaton. But should dress up as the uh, you know the the Midnight Express and have Kenny come out as Jim Cornette. I think that Jim would even flip his shit harder. And I loved I love Corny, but you know I I listened to his reviews of the show. So for him to like you know pop a blood vessel, what if the Jurassic Express came out dressed as them and uh, his favorite Marco stunt with with the fucking uh, tennis racket and all, came dressed in a nice polyester, maybe uh, a prettier color uh, um, suit as Jim Cornette. I think that would be fucking hilarious, especially if they do the outfits and Luchasaurus obviously still has all the lizard shit on him. Do you think that he would be mad about that? Yeah, he would definitely be pissed. That's <laughs> that would be he would for sure be upset didn't last year they do like rick and morty or something yeah they did yeah so it's not and beyond them did, to uh, do a halloween gimmick they did uh akuma and uh ryu and ken with uh kenny and the young bucks too when, when not too long or well it was about a year ago but i think that was during fighter fest that might have been why yeah, yeah Firefest landed like right around Halloween last year, I guess, and that's why they were doing that. That and they had that sponsorship. There was like Rick and Morty and Adult Swim shit all over the place. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. Well, uh, speaking about, actually, I don't even know if we were talking about Chris Jericho, but Chris Jericho uh, is a dick. Um, come to the back, Alex Marvez, aka Fathead, has let the uh, the broadcast group know that something happened. And they cut to him. His, his face looked pretty good, you know, so I don't think he needed reconstructive surgery after those two very severe super kicks. Um, and Matt Hardy is holding his leg, just, you know, making horrible noises while, while his, his boys in um, private party stand next to him 
while medical personnel starts coming over to the area. And uh, we're like, what the hell happened? And who's going against private party tonight? The demigod Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, who had announced that they were going to be taking on the the tag division. Uh, Chris Jericho wants another, you know, he wants to, I think he said he wanted to be the first Grand Slam champion in the company. So this is his next advancement. And uh, Chris Jericho has a baseball bat. So I guess they're implying that Jericho hit Matt Hardy in the knee. This takes out Hardy for a time period. Um, but if they come back to this, the one thing that I had a question about, you know, is Matt's obviously going to want repercussions against Chris Jericho. Matt needs time off, obviously, because of what happened uh, with the concussion that they're they're not admitting um, and everything. You'd think that he'd go after Jericho, but is he going to grab a tag partner since he's a manager of a tag team? Because Chris Jericho is now in the tag division with Jack, Jake uh, Hager, so that's a little confusing. But uh, what do you think about this segment? And uh, maybe Jericho was just walking around with the bat for the hell of it. Maybe he had nothing to do with it. Do you think Chris Jericho hit him in the in the leg? I would assume so, but isn't Matt supposed to be home with his family resting or whatever the fuck? Uh, after this week, I guess. <laughs> I think they forgot about and that. And also, why? Also, he got hit in the knee, not in the head. Like, why can't he remember who attacked him? I don't know. It's still it's it's post concussion syndrome. Is that what we're gonna go with? I believe that probably is the reasoning. I don't know. That's a that's a funny and a really good point. But uh, but. I, I mean, he, it, we have to assume it was Chris Jericho. I just, you're not going to be able to have him feud with, with Matt for a while. So, I don't know. This, this one was get, weird to me. How do you get him to feud with Matt if he's now, if Chris is now advancing in the tag division? You're just going to all of a sudden have him go into a separate thing? It's all very confusing. When's Jeff, when's Jeff Hardy's contract up? He, he re-signed uh, recently. I forgot who was. I think it was Brian Alvarez. Uh, he re-signed with WWE a month ago. Well, that answers that. I mean, I don't know. Who would you put That's Matt Hardy with? Uh, it's weird because he's the manager of a tag team, technically. I don't know. I have no idea who you put Matt Hardy with. I, I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. I mean, that could be the answer is that private party screws he, he continuously interferes in the match until Chris Jericho snaps and then they have that match down the line and maybe this is a way just to keep Matt involved as a manager it's a bit weird though to have a promo telling us he's going to go home and rest and then the very next week he's taking a fucking fake knee shot it's a bit odd a little strange booking sometimes it does happen with AEW um but yeah, we'll have to wait and see uh, from that whole scenario. But uh, we had an awesome match uh, with Frankie Kazarian. Who knew Frankie Kazarian could put on great matches? Uh, with Hangman Adam Page, uh, first singles match for Hangman in a very long time. Uh, joining Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur on commentary was Kenny Omega, who came basically after uh, Adam Page entered the ring. Adam noted or noticed him. Uh, I think he even waved hi to him, and Kenny kind of blew him off. Uh, Kenny, by the way, 
should probably not be common or doing commentary. Um, because instead of trying to like, I mean, they, they did it because they kept on asking him and pushing it about him. Like, are you going to get back with Paige? I, I don't really want to, you know, I'm trying to pursue a singles career. Well, you are the, the number one ranking in the tag division. What if you, what, what, what do you have to say to that? If we were to have to, I could work things out, blah, 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 blah. And then he tries to take over Excalibur's job and kind of, you know, he even apologized at one point for cutting off uh, JR, but it was like, can he let them just do the whole fucking, you know, commentary thing and just put over your character and put over the situation? Um, but uh, maybe he, his favorite announcer is Mauro Ornalo. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I love Mauro, and he just left WWE. So now I feel like a dick, but um, just just kind of cutting off people uh, quite a few times. But Frankie and Paige had an awesome match, um, and uh, basically, Hangman uh, looks for the buckshot lariat towards the end. However, uh, Kaz had it well scouted and uh, scooted under the bottom rope out to the floor. Hangman ends up calling an audible and ends up on the floor where he levels Kaz with a big clothesline back on the ring apron. Um, Hangman hits the buckshot lariat with emphasis on the mark this time and scores the three count. Uh, and uh, when the music's playing, Kenny was like, all right, thank you guys. All right. All right. You guys have a good one. And then gets the fuck out of there. Paige all of a sudden looks over. Basically what it looked like was for Kenny's approval. It looked like he was basically trying to show off to Kenny and uh, can he get the fuck out of there? We have no progression on this heel or what we were thinking was a heel storyline with Kenny flipping the fuck out at the pay-per-view uh, and disassociating himself from not only Paige, but then the Young Bucks for not coming with them. And it's kind of been, I guess, interesting. I thought he could, did a good job with his interview with JR. The way they're going about it, I, I'm assuming this is going to end up with like a forced tag team uh, tag match against FTR. Um probably at the anniversary show that's coming up in October. Uh, and then that's going to be maybe the time Kenny just flips his shit on page and we start their Sasha Banks, uh, Bailey storyline, uh, hopefully uh, two years before, you know, and don't drag this out for no fucking reason. But, uh, what'd you think of the match? What'd you think about Kenny on commentary? Let me know what you think, Chris. Uh, Hangman Page versus Frankie Kazarian was fucking awesome. That's what I think. This match was great. Everything about this match was awesome. If you like have commentary turned off <laughs> and you can ignore the Kenny Omega stuff, the elephant in the room, uh, this was a great match. Phenomenal. One of, it probably, I mean, it's close to me on what my favorite match of the night was with this one just because we'll get into Thunder Rosa later, but this was fucking great. Um, that as far as the Kenny leaving, I mean, they're doing a slow burn on this. I could easily see a forced tag team situation like you're talking about, um, them doing, even if it's just to further, further point out how done Omega is with this, with him just leaving the ring and this causing Hangman to get the hell beat out of him. I don't know that I would necessarily want to do that at a pay-per-view I do think you need to address the Young Bucks situation. And maybe it is that they've just lost the ability to go for the title for a set amount of time. And maybe that's how you get around that. Uh, it was a bit weird with Omega on commentary. I don't think that he necessarily fit well. Was not 
like when Jericho is on commentary or, or CM Punk or some other wrestlers we've seen in the past kind of fill a sim- similar role. But uh, the match itself was fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, Paige celebrating with a beer afterwards after looking over, seeing Kenny's not there. It's just weird. Yeah. It's like it's like Adam Page is a depressed drunk now. <laughs> like he's one step away from going to to uh, to AA meetings. He's he's sensitive stone cold. That's that's what everyone wants. Is sensitive stone cold. Give me a beer. I'm I'm sad, damn it. God damn it, give me a beer. I'm sad. I'm sorry. That made me pop. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're, I'm you're just doing this swarmy heel thing with. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I'm done. I'm just wow. I just pictured Stone Cold kind of crying a little bit, asking for a beer. Yelling at Earl Hefner. Shut up, Earl. Don't worry about it. <laughs> The only reason Stone Cold would be crying is if there was no beer. That would be that would be the only emotion you would get no out of beer. Stone Cold. <laughs> That's when he gets depressed. But even then, he's like giving someone a depressed ass whipping. <laughs> I'll have a margarita, uh, a fucking whiskey, <laughs> double whiskey, a triple whiskey. What? What? I mean, I, I know they're trying to show layers with Paige and, and Kenny, and I thought they did a decent job with the sit-down interviews. This, like, as far as furthering the storyline, this didn't really do much. This is more like a, a very long filler, it, it, like Walking Dead farm episode, <laughs> as far as their feud goes. Oh, my God. I hated those episodes. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, our next match was uh, with MJF. Um, and Sean Dean, who Sean's been presented on AEW Dark, and you know, with with some of the prospects, uh, uh, Garrison comes to mind. Obviously, Brian Pillman, I would like to see signed. Now that I know for a fact, I don't think he's with MLW at all anymore. Um, but with Hobbs, there is a presence that, even though a lot of times it's in squash matches, you got you get to see these guys develop. And there's a possibility. It's kind of like almost, I guess, they're, they're, they're NXT, if you will. But it's trying out new talent and trying to get them to a level and, and weeding out people. And, uh, you know, like I was basically what I was trying to say is that this dude is it's pretty good. I like Sean Dean in the ring. But uh, he didn't have much of a chance against MJF. Because as soon as the uh, match hit, uh, MJF just immediately poked uh, Dean in the eyes and then got him in the salt of the earth, uh, Fujiwara. Uh, armbar and uh, quickly submitted him. So, yeah, MJF coming out, being a dick, and uh, doing his thing pretty damn well. Uh, after the match, MJF gets on the mic and calls John Moxley a cheater. He says because Mox cheated, he should be undefeated, and he should be the AEW world champion. Uh, he then tells that the, the crowd that he is the undefeated, undisputed, uncrowned world heavyweight champion of all elite wrestling, and he demands Justin Roberts um, and says to him in front of the whole world, as Roberts begrudgingly uh, does so, MJF cuts him off and orders him to say it with some gusto. Wardlow will play him a visit. He obliges. Now MJF returns uh, to his complaining, claiming that only these those in a stable or faction thrive in AEW, it seems. He says he's always been a lone wolf, but maybe it's time 
for this wolf to join a wolf pack. Ow, ow. Not like like Shotzi Blackheart does, but like MJF sarcastically would do. He says whether he joins a group or not doesn't matter because at the end of the day, he's better than us, and he knows it. And then he throws a mic. Uh, just awesome fucking... Uh, MJF is, is damn good on... He, he's... He, He's at a level for his age that's pretty damn incredible. And the fact that he does have that old school swagger to him. I love the match just because it's something that you would see Roddy Roddy Piper do in 83, 84 when he was primetime heel. Uh, You could see Ric Flair pulling something similar to this if you wanted to. Tully Blanchard. His idols, basically. Uh, Gino Hernandez. And... He just continues, man. And I, I don't think this means he's he's joined the Wolf Pack. Um, I think uh, Conan has said that there is no Wolf Pack coming back. So, uh, you know, I think he just meant metaphorically speaking uh, when it came to that. But uh, in actuality, I don't know what this means about the whole faction concept. You know, it there's not a lot of of groups that make sense. Inner Circle, I mean. I guess so, and I guess you got Chris in the tag division, but Chris has said, even if, obviously, there was that invitation a long time ago that never went anywhere, uh, but there's a competitive nature between the two of them. Their egos would clash, and Jericho said there's probably not going to be any other new members. He's not trying to pull an NWO where he keeps on adding members. That's the group. That's what he picked, and that's how it's going to be. So I'm sure that obviously he'd play ball if MGF and Wardlow, because they're a package thing, even if he's just his security guard, he's still a wrestler, and he's uh, he would be coming with uh, basically MGF. Um, Eddie Kingston's group does not make sense, and that's another heel group. The Dark Order definitely doesn't make sense. Um, you know, the Elites and Shambles and Dunn, and I don't think that that would make a lick of sense at all anyways, regardless. Same thing with the 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 Nightmare Family. Obviously, MJF's not going to be a part of that. So I don't really know. I mean, like we have heard in the past about trying to put together this faction, Fear the Revelation, them doing hand signals, and the fact that there's a lot of, at least on Twitter, a lot of shown respect between the the uh, the old school style of FTR with MJF. You know how they are and, and complementing each other. I guess you could throw him with them, and then you have Wardlow, but then Sean Spears also is Tully's. It's 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 very confusing. So I'm confused on what they mean by that. If it's going to end up where he's just fucking with everyone, he's still going to be by himself. I guess I would rather him just stay by himself, but if he is going to do something, yeah, it would make a lot of sense. One of his idols is the fucking captain. You know, this could be Tully Blanchard, not necessarily a four horseman, but his version of the Heenan family, like w- with Tully. So if he had access to an MJF to to nurture and, and, and manage, and also now Wardlow as a new muscle, then Sean Spears and FTR, that would be a good collection for him. So they could go in that route. The only problem is, even though it's an idol, when it comes down to it, MJF doesn't really listen to anyone besides MJF. So I don't know. Well, what would you think about the way they went about the match? Uh, keeping it very short, and then MJF's promo afterwards about possibly joining a faction. Well, I was completely fine. I mean, it was just a squash match, really, to give MJF a reason to promo. I did like that Sean Dean came out with his arm taped up and immediately got thumbed in the eye. 
straight into a submission on his arm that was taped up. And then after the match, he just got his ass kicked by Wardlow because that was some very heel-ass shit to do. And then in MJF's promo, he immediately starts talking about how John Moxley's a cheater when he just won by cheating, uh, which is pretty good. Um, the undisputed, uncrowned champion, etc. I guess the only thing I have negative to say is he's like, the, the only way to succeed is to be in a stable, but the guy he's pissed off at being John Moxley, <laughs> the top guy is not in a stable. Nope. So it's it's like, well, it's kind of counterintuitive, but I, I get what they're going for. I mean, my assumption, like like you said, if he is, I don't really think that this necessarily means he's going to be in a faction. They're just planting seeds for uh, us to talk about. Uh, but if he was going to go anywhere, it would make the most sense for him to be the Ric Flair type character in whatever they're calling FTR and Tully. It gives you four mem- members with Wardlow and MJF, and then that rounds out that group. Um, if they wanted to go that route, that would be the thing that makes the most sense, in- unless he's going to start that? his own faction. What about Sean Spears? <laughs> what about Sean Spears? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I had to say it. I mean, I don't know. Poor Sean Spears. <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He could start his own faction. Why not? And that's interesting. A- <laughs> it's just too many damn factions at this point. I know the Bucks and, and Kenny come from New Japan, and they have a lot of factions over there. But, God, if MGF has another heel faction, that's like a million heel factions. And, like, I don't think, what, negative two fucking <laughs> babyface factions? Well, how many? Oh, yeah, I guess you. I get. Yeah, I guess you have the nightmare, the nightmare family, and then Luchasaurus. If you include, <laughs> if you're including Marco Stunt as a real person, he's not. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is Inner Circle a hill faction? Sometimes. Best friends. Yeah. That's a faction. Oh, yeah, I could totally see MJF join the best friends. I think that would work out really well. <laughs> no, I meant you asked about babyface factions. I'm oh, to think of... oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the best best friends are the only ones that I can really think of. That's funny. All right, so uh, next thing to happen, really quickly, we had another... I want more of these, and I know that he's now doing it. The last one was for Brian Cage a while back, and now it's for Ricky Starks. But I liked it when Taz was breaking down wrestlers and giving you kind of like the stats while it's happening of how certain moves impact. Uh, he had one on Ricky Starts um, and explaining his technique. And uh, yeah, I, I I like these with Taz. I wish there was more of them, Chris, and with various wrestlers. Yeah, I wish they would do a little bit more of this too. And maybe they will once they split to two shows. Um, and are able to spread out the TV a little bit more. Because I, I don't watch enough AEW Dark. I mean, I don't know if he does this on Dark. Um, but it is really good. I, mean, I know he did one that was really good for John Moxley when he was building up the match um, against Brian Cage because he was talking about the paradigm shift. And then afterwards, he's like, yeah, but like, you know, he's, he's never going to be able to put this guy in the paradigm shift. Like the following week, he gave the breakdown of Brian Cage. 
So, I mean, if, if he wants to do that for big matches, I think that's awesome. It's, it's, it's really cool. It reminds me of like a boxing tail of the tape or, or even in football when they'll break down someone's vertical and how fast they are. The thing they do kind of on Fox Sports before the games. It's kind of cool. It has like a real sports feel to it. So I definitely enjoy it. Yep. I do too. And you know what else I enjoy? Mr. Eddie Kingston. Uh, Eddie Kingston was uh, in the ring to handle some business with the Lucha Bros, Butcher and Blade. Um, so Kingston talks about never being eliminated. He said he had three things to talk about. Number one, he was never eliminated at the Casino Battle Royal. And again, it points out that he should be the next man to challenge Sean Moxley for the AEW World Championship. So they're going to be running with this. We're going to at least probably get a match with him and Moxley, which if they make it a fucking brawl, it should be a lot of fun, I would say. Um, he talks about his family. As Ray Phoenix, he basically says the whole group is not a faction. It's family. He talks about his family as Ray Phoenix walks over and they put their arms around each other. Pentagon Jr. is also standing by. Kingston tells Butcher and Blade to find victims, please. They go and grab some schmucks out of the front row. One of them was uh, Keith uh, or Griff Garrison. Throw him in the ring and uh, basically Pentagon and Phoenix just beat the living hell out of them. And then uh, Butcher and Blade come in and do their finishers. And, um, yeah, they just, uh, Kingston says he's, uh, got Phoenix ready, his best friend, which he points out once again, Pentagon is ready. And so is Butcher and Blade. He says for his third point, since he's got their sides under control, he tells Blade that it's time to get his house in order. Uh, Blade seems to know what that means, although the announcers are confused as to what he's referring to. So, yeah, this, to me, shows two things. Pentagon's going to get, is going to be Brutus by, by this motherfucker soon. He keeps on calling him his best friend. He has to bring that in. There's going to be one more time where Pentagon fucks over, or fucks up. Phoenix gets pissed off at him. And I think Eddie's going to have the dogs just beat the living hell out of him, including his brother. I guess keep on Phoenix's trajectory as a heel which, like I've said in the past, doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. But Pentagon, he's very popular, man. Like, when it comes down to it, you put him as a single star. The way he is, he's a character. He's 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 over and would make, I think, the most sense trying to push as a pure baby face. Him and Kingston would have a great rivalry. You'd get matches with him and Ray Phoenix. Uh, you know, probably him and Butcher and Blade against him and, uh, and, a, and a person that helps him out, I guess. You know, there's a lot of things they can do with that. And Braxton, uh, is it Braxton Sutters? Yeah. Um, who is the Blade from TNA previously, uh, we know is actually the husband of the Bunny, a.k.a. Allie, who was with them and then just left and now has been up QT Marshall's ass and a part of the, the Nightmare family. So getting his house in order, I'm assuming, has something to do with that. So QT Marshall's probably not going to be feeling very well. I'm assuming next week there might be a, a breakdown where they say that they had a split or whatever due to blah, blah, blah. That's why she suddenly left and they get her back involved in this group. It's probably smart, you know, like a lot of them are doing to have a female in your faction. So um, interesting stuff. Love Eddie on the mic. I like that Pentagon keeps on being highlighted as best friend because – I think Eddie Kingston's going to stab his back immediately. And uh, I'm kind of interested to see the Butcher uh, trying to get Allie uh, back and how they're going to try to go about that. 
hopefully it makes sense. What do you think, Chris? I like the idea of the butcher. Is it the butcher or the blade? The blade trying to get Ali back. Blade. Yes, sorry, butcher's Andy Williams from uh, Every Time I Die. I mean, because I think I think it gives you some good tag team matches that you can have there and a reason for those to feud with dark order. So it gives dark order something to do as well. I'm, I'm not huge. I'm, the only thing I'm, I didn't like about this is they didn't acknowledge <laughs> who his wife was at all on commentary. Um, that, I mean, to meet to that, I mean, to that point, it's a little bit of like inside baseball type deal, right? Like, only those who know are in the know, and it gets a little too cutesy for me sometimes. But outside of that, I thought the promo was great. They beat the shit out of Griff Garrison. Um, Eddie Kingston still awesome on the mic, and I, I can't agree with you anymore. I mean, it makes sense that Kingston is going to stab poor Pentagon in the back. And we'll all feel sadness, but then we'll immediately feel happy knowing that Pentagon is going to the singles division. So it'll be okay. I'm excited about three things in the singles division. The return of Pac, the concept of having Pentagon as a singles wrestler, and the fact that Kenny might be flipping the script, going a little more old school, and also finally be in the singles division. Should have some awesome matches because of that. Yeah, and I'll also say that I'm excited for the uh, the prospect of Eddie Kingston somehow getting involved in this title picture. Um, yeah. Especially if it leads to a crazy ass brawl between him and Moxley, which would be that would lean towards Kingston's strong suits. Well, he's the king of, uh, of the Bronx, you know, and, and Moxley's kind of like, you know, very, very funk esque. Maybe they need to do a uh, clear the whole fucking place, do an empty arena brawl between the two of them. Very reminiscent. Yeah. I mean, Moxley will probably come out at some point and just be like, it doesn't matter if you want. If you just wanted to fight me, we could just we could just fight. Because it's also <laughs> very fucking John Moxley, as yeah. we've noted so far with his character. Uh, he doesn't really care about rankings. So if you just have Kingston bitch and whine about this enough, Moxley will just give him a match. <laughs> yep. Yep, definitely. All right, so we had a Private Party going against Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. I thought this was a good match. I think that Private Party, especially working with Matt, uh, Max, Matt was on, he was getting interviewed by someone, but he's been working very heavily with them as kind of an agent, I'm assuming, and kind of just working and structuring their matches. Uh, He got the blessing from Jeff uh, to allow these guys to do some of their stuff. That's why they did the Poetry in Motion, which I love seeing that because, you know, Private Party, like I said, that same lineage that the Bucks are in, that uh, Motor City Machine Guns are in, that Hardys, Rockers, Rock and Roll Express, there's like a certain vibe that they all have. And I think this is like a newer generation of that, or they have potential at least, I should say, to do that. So Chris Jericho, just uh, the, the only thing I will say is that I wish that they treated this, – this one wasn't as egregious as last week – but treat Jack, Jake Hager more like he's a fucking monster. I mean, he is an MMA fighter. Uh, but, you know, this this would end up... They would win. Chris Jericho and uh, Jake Hager would win. Uh, the duo get in another near fall on Jericho as Hager uh, recovers on the floor outside the ring, leaving Le Champion alone in the ring with no one to tag as Cassidy continues uh, talking to him with repeating punches on the ropes. Jericho 
tries hitting the juice effect out of nowhere, but Cassidy ducks and rolls him out for a near fall. The Demo God kicks out at two. Cassidy appears on the top rope and comes flying off with a senton splash that finds nothing as Le Champion moves just in time. Cassidy lands on his already sore back, and upon getting up, he is met with a brutal Judas effect from Jericho, who follows up with a pin for the victory. After the match, Jericho continues punching away on Cassidy. He gets Cassidy in the walls of Jericho. He sees Quinn coming in but is too slow to let the submission finisher as Quinn decks Le Champion with a big punch, sending him retreating to the back with Hager as he checks on Cassidy while Private Party's uh, theme music, uh, and we head to another commercial break. So, yeah, um, I thought this was a good match. Like I said, with Jericho, I have to get over it. You know, even though obviously he's much larger in size, uh, than a lot of these other wrestlers. He's always been this style. He's either super aggressive in your face, trying to take you out, or he's basically getting his ass kicked, bitching, and being a swarmy heel, you know, and, and trying to, to dick the other person over. So, you know, him him selling for for Private Party and last week with Joey Janela, and, uh, oh, man, I can't remember his uh, tag team partner's name. Um, but Sony Kiss, Sony Kiss. Thank you. Uh, it's not as egregious, I would say. Uh, but that's that's Chris Jericho. With Hager, I wish that he would be a little bit more beastly. It's kind of like what I wanted from Luchasaurus to start acting more like a giant. I wish Hager was a little bit harder to take down, uh, essentially, uh, position. But like this match. I like. Uh, I don't have a lot of bad things to say about this. I like. I like Private Party, and this is now him Jericho pursuing the future in the tag division with Hager. So it's uh, interesting in concept. I'll give it that. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, to me, it just sets up. A, it sets up a further feud between Private Party and, and Christian, Chris and Jake. By the way, they ended the match. Um, yeah. I thought the match itself was okay. I hated the fucking silly string spot. I hate it. Um, I what the hell does Private Party have to do with Silly String? I, I don't know. It just seemed weird. If they're trying to get that over, they may have they may have wanted to build upon it before utilizing it in a match. Um, also, it's just really weird to hear Cassidy in a match with it not being Orange Cassidy after watching so much fucking Jericho and Orange Cassidy <laughs> for the past two months. Uh, but that's no one's fault. That's just my brain uh, as we go through this. I, I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying. You would expect Jericho and Jake Hagar, given their accolades from previous companies and their size over Private Party, and the fact that they pretty much jumped Private Party's manager before this match, uh, that they would have a, a much larger advantage and maybe be a little bit more dominant. But it it is what it is. I mean, that's just kind of the role Jericho's playing. He's playing it very much more laid back in the ring. And uh, to be fair, he did just take a loss in a tub of orange uh, mimosas recently. So uh, this is like, like you said, this isn't a huge atrocity or anything. It was fine. This was one of my least favorite matches on the show. Yep. I can see that. Although that says that's good for the show though. If, if that's one of your low points, you know, that's not a bad thing at all, but I do agree with you. That silly string thing. You know how I'm weird about moves, man. You know how I'm weird about moves. Um, 
just don't take me out. You know? It, it's one of those... It's also right in front of the ref, too, which doesn't make it... Doesn't make it great, either. Yeah. Let's not let's not make silly string green mist, please. I could I could I could deal without that. Private party is good enough in the ring and are athletic enough and have so many cool moves. They don't need a fucking silly string gimmick. It should be below them. Yeah, just because their finishers called it, don't mean a thing. Um, NWA Women's Championship. We had Thunder Rosa, the champion, going against Eva Lise, uh with Diamante. Repping her, we had, I mean, it's pretty awesome if you think about it. Diamante is from Colombia. Ivelisse is from Puerto Rico. Thunder Rosa from Mexico. You know, uh, these ladies all know each other. That's why the whole rumors about, I mean, it looked like they were slapping the fuck out of each other and punching the fuck out of each other. But is that they weren't getting along? Or is that they have chemistry and they've been doing this for a long time and they were just beating the living hell out of each other, which happens a lot in wrestling matches. So that's why the rumors themselves are kind of confusing. But this might have been my favorite match. Um, I just think that I text you. I was like, at Thunder Rosa, you know, between this, her championship match, you know, and then the match where she went for the belt and then the one against Deeb. Like, she legitimately has been a part of some of the best, not only women's wrestling, but wrestling matches on these shows. You know, she's not, I'm not going to call her a show stealer, but... If someone, you know, were to say this was their favorite match on the show, I think that it's because it was stiff as shit. I mean, JR is getting extremely into this. You can tell when he's more into matches than others. Let's just put it that way and be honest. And uh, I thought it was an awesome match uh, towards the end. Evilly still in control of the action, which is still in progress, but is back in the ring right now. Uh, Rosa hits a nice dragon screw leg sweep. And gets in a couple of other moves before Ivelisse takes back over on offense briefly. Rosa gets Ivelisse on the mat and locks her into submission. However, Ivelisse gets her foot under the rope. Rosa tries to uh, drag her to the middle of the ring, but Ivelisse gets back in the uh, contest, landing some shots. Rosa slows her momentum by executing a nice Death Valley driver. Ivelisse rolls through a follow-up spot from Rosa and blasts her with a nice knee to the grill for a near fall uh, that turns the momentum into a uh, challenger's uh, favor. Just as Ivelisse gets comfortable uh, and in the lead, she gets a big shot in the gut before the champ follows up by a devastating tombstone pile driver for the pinfall victory. With the win, Rosa remains NWA's uh, women's champion. Uh, just like I said, uh, after the match, you know, awesome match, but uh, after the match, basically Diamante comes in. The two of the girls start beating the shit out of, uh, of Thunder Rosa, and Hikaru Shida, who was watching the match, uh, came in for the save, and we have that match coming in uh, next week, a tag match with the NWA Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa, the AEW Women's Champion, uh, Hikaru Shida, and Diamante and Ivelisse, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, so yeah, I thought this was, I thought this was good all the way around. What'd you think, Chris? Yeah, I like this match a lot. I will say that there was a lot of moves. So if you're one of those people that hate that shit, um, probably not, this is not going to be your Randy Orton type match. There was a lot of moves. Um, my favorite spot in the match is when Rosa blocks that springboard and immediately hits the, uh, the DVD as she calls it. 
And I also like the tombstone as the finish. I mean, I think that's fucking cool. I like the them setting up a tag match for next week. This was probably my second favorite match of the night. The more I think about it, just because Kaz and Paige was fucking amazing. Um, but this yeah. was really, really good. And Thunder Rosa, like I said, I think that she came in and really helped elevate this women's division. And it makes me look forward to whatever match they're going to have um, with her, especially if it's going to have her involvement. And putting her and Sheeta together, maybe building a match between them again in the future. Um, that's all things to be excited about. This match was was pretty good overall. I think Lee's did not look her best. Um, but... It, it didn't really matter. By the end of the match, I was totally into it and, and thought it was really great. Yeah, I agree with you, man. All right, so backstage, uh, we have <laughs> the best man himself, Miro, and Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford. Um, and basically, Miro is pumping some iron while he does his bench uh, press workouts. Kip Sabian is cheering him on while his soon-to-be beautiful bride, Penelope Ford, actually serves as Miro spotter for the set. It was pretty funny how they worked that out. Uh, after Miro puts the bar back up on the handles, he sits up and with his pump now fully on and popping, he talks about his debut of last week's show. Um, the two then talk about the wedding and how they're going to have the best bachelor's party of all time. Once the two finish, up with the uh, with a couple of follow up comedy lines, he heads back to another. Well, we head back to another commercial break. So basically, he was doing a ridiculous amount of weight, and all of a sudden, Kip Sabian's like, "All right, my turn." That was the ending of it. Um, I had to be honest with you, man. I'm not I'm not trying to be a pain in the ass, but I don't know if I would have put Miro with Kip Sabian in a wedding angle. I don't know, honestly, looking back at it now that I have had a chance to reflect on it. I don't care if it's fucking Gucci and it's a million dollar goddamn t-shirt that you're wearing with, with Mickey Mouse. I would not, I don't know if I'd have him come out with a Mickey Mouse shirt, you know, in this whole scenario, it's, it's very weird to me. I kind of, and also not, not to get started on the whole brass ring thing and, and the, the, the cliche, the fact that that wasn't even apparently Miro's line. That was Chris Jericho's line that he did, that he told him. Like, you know, you should say something about this. He was giving him some advice on his promo when he asked him about it. So, you know, Moxley did it on a fucking interview. Cody destroyed the throne. Jericho stored shade. Uh, Brody, you know, it, it, it keeps on escalating. And I love Rusev on interviews. Like, oh, I don't really want to, you know, start anything with WWE, blah, 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 blah. Like, well, that, that probably wasn't the best thing to say on, on live television, regardless if you get influenced by Chris Jericho or not. But... What I'm trying to say is that that's that's besides the point. I think Miro had a chance to really make an impact. Like, think about, I don't know if it's the Dark Order or something, beating the living hell out of the Nightmare family, which is something that just happened. And all of a sudden you see, see this music come on and everyone's kind of like, what the fuck is that? Similar to AJ Styles when he popped up on the Royal Rumble, how something just comes on the screen like it was like, I'm phenomenal. And you knew AJ was there because even though you didn't know the music, it was like, oh, shit, yeah, it's fucking AJ. Something that could, like, even if you just put Miro or Miro Day or something like that, and then he comes out full of piss and vinegar and just starts leveling motherfuckers uh, and cuts something right after that, you know, backing up. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, 
I hope they know where they're going. You know, we haven't gotten to this. We don't know if he's just going to completely beat the living hell out of Kip Sabian and go in a completely different direction. Uh, the best man, I get it. He's the best man for the job, but he's also the best man of Kip Sabian. Okay, fine. But like I said, if it were up to me, I don't know if this is the direction I would be going. But then again, I don't know the overall vision. What did you think about the segment? What did you think about what I just said, Chris? Well, I thought the segment was very fucking WWE and wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of it as far as a comedy segment goes. Um, where I think it's going is that he is going to steal Penelope Ford from Kip Sabian. That would be my guess because you're going to make this guy into a heel and there's no way Kip Sabian can be the guy to screw over Miro. Um, do I think that this is good? No. I think I talked about it last time we reviewed this show. I think it's, I think it was a, a very dumb way to introduce Miro. There's a lot better things I could think of that you could have him doing. And the fact that the majority of that first promo was just them jerking off about each other's Twitch streams uh, didn't fucking help me really give a shit that this guy's there. Now, yeah. they can come out and save it. They could do some really cool stuff with him, but... I mean, right now, like, once again, they're very top-heavy with these kind of guys. You have Wardlow, you have Jake Hagar, you have Brian Cage, you have Lance Archer. He, You're going to make him a monster against who? So in some ways, this is a fitting storyline if it's just going to be that he's stealing Penelope Ford and then moving forward from there. But uh, to some extent, they've, booked, they've, they've went out and signed a bunch of people that are a lot alike. Yep, I would I would say you're right about that. Just uh, it's interesting the way they're going about it. Uh, I I remember this guy. I I, I can't remember. The only thing I can think of is Zach Ryder. I believe is something related to him, in essence. But uh, he was on the show. He popped up for a second. Was in two tag matches. Didn't say a lot of shit and has been off. Um. It's almost like his career is pretty much the same like it was in WWE. Weird. No comment about that, Chris. You don't want to you don't want to laugh at the fact that they haven't had Matt Cardona on. No, sorry. My wife uh my wife started yelling about something when the cats knocked some shit over, so I put myself on mute. Oh, oh, I got <laughs> oh yeah, no, that Matt Card doing his shit's weird, but apparently he's not signed with them, so yeah. maybe he showed up, they gave him an idea, it was similar to this Miro gimmick, and he was like, fuck that, and this didn't sign, <laughs> which, if so, good for Matt Cardona. Expect Matt to show up soon on Impact. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll work something out with him, I just wish they'd use him, because it's like, he went from WWE because... And, you know, obviously was 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 fired, but he was then placed with this new company that has kind of utilized him the way WWE would. Not letting him talk, putting him on a couple times and that's it. And in tag matches. So, uh, yeah, just uh, interesting. I can't shit. I can't I can't really blame them if he hasn't signed, though. It's, that's different than the Miro thing. Like Miro's was a done well, deal, right? Well, I mean, think about this. Eddie Kingston, who was just coming in for the TNT title, was signed after he cut a badass promo. They gave him a live mic and just told him to go for it. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know that Eddie Kingston would be able to go to Impact or Ring of Honor and make yeah. similar money. 
Yeah, that's a good pa- that's a good point. I don't know. Maybe we'll see him next week show up. I'd like to see more of him. And I like being right. I said they were I I said them two and Leo Rush were the ones that potentially would go. And I'm two out of three right now, so maybe you know, just like the fucking song for Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. I just want Leo Rush back. If they can get somehow get uh, Colt Cabana out of Dark Order and put him and Cardona as a tag team, that would be very entertaining. Oh my god, I would love that. They they have a very similar flavor of ice cream. That would be awesome. Um, but yeah. Anyways, so this whole entire thing starts breaking down in the ring. We have uh, Jake the Snake Roberts come out with the Murderhawk monster, uh, Lance Archer, and they're looking towards the title match at AEW Full Gear 2020, um, which I think that's what they're calling the anniversary show because it's not really a pay-per-view. It's the anniversary of their start on TNT. Uh, but, you know, he knows that there's some fights to be had in the future and has call, called upon the services of Taz with his two guys, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage to help out Lance Archer. So he calls Taz into the, uh, the ring. They start talking and we hear Moxley's music hit. So he's out in the audience, uh, way above basically just, you know, talking some shit when Ricky Starks and Brian Cage jump him who knew exactly where he was going to go out to whatever. It just doesn't matter. Um, but they start beating the crap out of him. Will Hobbs, out of nowhere, who just officially got signed with AEW, comes, gives him some backup. Him and Brian Cage had a little bit of altercation, and I think a lot of people were like, I want to see the two of them you know, beat the living fuck out of each other after that encounter. And uh, Starks and um, Brian Cage get the hell out of there. And it looks like next week, Moxley has announced that it will be Lancer's team of him, Cage, and Ricky Starks against his team of himself, Will Hobbs. And he says, Darby Allen, I know that you're at home, but you better get your ass to Florida next week. So it looks like Darby Allen. So the three guys feuding against the three guys feuding, a very smart way to progress stuff. You know, we kind of bitch sometimes at the three-on-threes and four-on-fours, whatever, in WWE and AEW alike. But I'm actually really looking forward to this one. And I, I think it's interesting, I will say, that Jake the Snake decided to team with Taz. But uh, I just want to know when the hell we're going to get the Lance Archer-Brian Cage match. That's the one I want to see. But uh, this is still fun. What do you think about this, Chris? I mean, I think that's coming soon to a theater near us, right? Based on the the promo from Jake being in... What did he say? He's so creepy. He's like, I'm in bed with Tasmanian devil. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> It's like, what the hell is he talking about? It was very creepy. But only as Jake could do it. Um, you know Taz is like, what the fuck? I don't even want to talk to this guy. <laughs> Fucking but I like Jones over here. I like Will Hobbs showing up. That was cool. Uh, you could have gave that spot to Miro, <laughs> I guess, if you wanted to do yeah. something awesome with him. But whatever, man. Will, Will Hobbs is there. That's cool. Uh I like this, man. Sets up a, this sets up some feuds, like you said. And it's going to continue the storyline, and you have a big main event next week. And I'm sure yeah. Jake will cut a good promo headed into it. 
And Moxley's promo to to build up the match itself, I thought was really well done. It's good. All man. around great segment. I don't necessarily always like ending a show on a segment, but this was this was pretty decent. Well, they gave us a lot of good wrestling. Technically, you're forgetting about the last match itself, my friend, because there was one last match, and that was the parking lot fight between the best friends and Santana and Ortiz. And my... Oh, God, you're right. (laughs) I did forget about this. Holy fuck, how did I forget about this? (laughs) This match was violent. This match was... Look, I have had my issues in the past with best friends and the whole purpose of the storyline being based on destroying your mother's minivan. But when it came down to it, this was a fun fucking violent match, but they didn't do violence for the sake of violence. They were actually using stuff throughout the course of the match. Like it made sense. Well, I mean, it was violence for the sake of violence, but it was bloody. I mean, I don't want to say nasty boys versus cactus Jack and, and max Payne level. But this is a really violent brawl, and uh, Mick Foley actually praised all the guys, which all of them were were very happy about afterwards. You know, telling them that they did a great fucking job. You know, they just they did innovative stuff that looked like it hurt like hell. Like when they threw Ortiz underneath the uh, the hood of the car and slammed the top of the hood a couple times, or when they fucking ran. You know, they double ran power bombed Trent through the fucking windshield, and I guess. That wasn't sugar glass because Trent's back was bleeding everywhere. Uh, fucking Ortiz, he had a huge puncture wound on one uh, arm. You know, his other arm was sliced up from hell at the end of this. The fact that they came in with the, the skeleton faces, you know, just watching fucking going back and watching Karate Kid and remembering, you know, what Johnny was dressed as. Like it had that creepy element to it, but they look like warriors and. I would have preferred Pride and Powerful to win, but the way they went about it and, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy jumping out of that trunk and he had the the chain wrapped around his his fist and doing the Superman punch, knocking out Ortiz and them, uh, or Santana, I mean, and then them taking out Ortiz and (laughs) driving off in the van. You know that Trent's getting blood all over the fucking car. All over the van side of it, but them getting in there and Orange Cassidy taking um, shotgun and Sue putting her middle finger out the uh, the window and then driving off. Just a lot of fun. You could tell all the commentators, including JR, were having fun with this match. It was, like I said, it was a violent ass match. It had a couple funny elements, and this that's what the storyline has had itself. Um, but I, I I enjoyed it, man. Uh, Ortiz went through a windshield. I mean, it was, like, I, I don't want to keep on fucking saying this. It was just a very well-structured street fight, which is very hard to pull off a lot of the times. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I am i don't know. I, I, I can't talk anymore, Chris. Take it away. This is the best brawl they've had on AEW, which is weird if you think about the people involved in it. Yeah. Uh, it was fucking great. Santana taking those two centons while he was trapped under the hood of the car is one of the craziest but coolest things I've seen in a really long time in a match. He's just under the hood of this car just taking fucking centons. Uh, Like you said, the car glass spot looked scary considering the aftermath of it. It reminded me of uh, Ricky Starks' back a little bit when he got the skateboard. Oh, yeah. Pine pine cone. Um, If you like 
hardcore matches or street fight matches, this is probably the, the only one this year I can recommend to you. It's pretty fucking good. Um, I can't believe I forgot about this. I forgot about like probably the best thing on the show. Dave Meltzer said this is like a match of the year candidate for him. Yeah, so, I don't know about that. I heard him say that. I, and, um, I, I that I don't know about that, but that. yeah, I don't know about that. But it was really, really, really damn good. Still not my favorite match of the show. I still am sticking to the Page and, and Kazarian match. If you're into hardcore matches or street fight matches, this one was very, very, very fucking good. Um. And I liked the ending because I feel like both teams can move forward. It kind of ends the feud, hopefully. Yep. Still think that Chucky e. T looks like a missing member of My Name is Earl cast, but, you know, uh, good job by the best friends. Good job. Yeah, this, this could be a great way to get Ortiz and Santana away from Inner Circle, too, if you want to go that route, specifically because... Telling you, man, this... If Conan come out, cut a promo, and then start leading them, it would be so awesome. That's yeah, that would be great too. And then also Jericho and Hagar are now going after the same bone, which should cause some dissension uh, between the inner circle. So I kind of liked everything about this, and Sue showing up and flipping, (laughs) flipping everybody off in the minivan. Uh, was a good listen to everyone home happy. So there wasn't a lot to complain about on this. Uh, I mean, you could say it was a little violent, but that's what they were going for. So if they were going for that, they fucking nailed it. So do you think that Sue could take Judy Bagwell from 98 in a fight? Yes. She looks in way better shape than Judy Bagwell. (laughs) She was scary, man. She looked like a fucking bulldog out of shape. I mean, I guess Sue's got more gangster in her, though. Just rolling up in the minivan, throwing up birds. So, I don't know. Birds, bitches. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, well, let's go over to the other side. And I I wanted to start off by saying, just because, you know, you know me, uh, or if if you don't know me, I like to do this Dane rant concept, which I guess it's a first person look. At me ranting. I don't know why I call it Dane Rants. Now I'm kind of not too happy that I call it that. But anyways, it doesn't matter. It's egotistical. Um, I saw What Culture, and I don't know which writer it was or who the fuck it was. I like What Culture. You know, they're not like Wrestle Talk, the the UK outlet over there that just uses fucking clickbait headlines and shit to get people to click their videos. Um, they they have a lot of good content, but this writer I think should be you know, possibly taken outside and beaten with, you know, I don't know, some badgers in a bag probably, and then put the badgers on top of them. Because he was trying to claim that NXT should just just be no more. They shouldn't have it. It's just pointless at this point, and it's just to fight AEW as competition. Look, if you like AEW, kudos to you. There's a concept that WWE only fans and fucking AEW only fans, and I, if you go down to New Japan only fans, whatever. Just, if you don't like something, that's great. And no one's going to learn this. That's why Marvel and DC fight. That's why Star Wars, old school Star Wars, new new school Star Wars. It's turned to politics, basically, when it comes down to this shit. And it's never going to end. But if if you don't like NXT, and his, his reasoning was that their, de- their developmental should be more like it was with FCW, basically, and before that with Ohio Valley, where these guys aren't getting type, any type of exposure... 
uh, and they kind of show up in WWE because a lot of it has to do with seeing these guys show up on the new product and then they restart from zero. So at that point I got, but at the same time, even proposing that NXT should just cease to exist. It's some of my favorite actual fucking wrestling. And for someone that's actually a fan of the wrestling that puts new Japan up there as my favorite promotion that does pay-per-views because of that same element that gets taken away with some of the stupid shit they do on WWE and also sometimes on AEW too, that takes me out of it. You know, I know not everyone's like me. I know not a lot of people are cross MMA and boxing fans and stuff like that. But before AEW was around, and I love AEW, NXT was holding it down as a show on our show on the network on Wednesday nights that came out and it had some of the best wrestling period. So I don't know. It's, it's like the old saying of keep your opinions to your fucking self sometimes. And, uh, I saw that headline. I read the article and I wanted to bash myself in the head with a hammer. So thought I'd just share that big fuck you to whoever the writer was for that awesome proposal of getting rid of one of the better wrestling products out there. It, for 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 Raw and SmackDown's sake, so we didn't have to see these guys one way and then change once it gets the main product. Fuck you. But all right, so this would be my caveat to that guy or or my rebuttal. So you're just gonna lose out on the TV money you're making off NXT in hopes that when you send these random people into the mix with well-known stars that you'll be able to make that money back in ratings, which don't matter because you're under a TV contract. I mean, they matter, but that contract is a contract. It's set It's set in stone until it's time to renew it. What is the... <laughs> what would be the end goal of them taking money away from U.S.? Or, for instance, what would be the money in USA allowing them to do that, which they're not going to? If you're going to make an argument for anything, it would be that you should move it to a different night. So that your crossover fans would be able to watch both of the shows that they enjoy. I agree with you, my friend. It pissed me off. It, it just, I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's just people saying shit to say shit. But, like, canceling NXT, the only, the only way you could make this make sense is if you're canceling the entire idea of developmental and you're not dumping money into it anymore and you're just trying to sign stars. Then you can say, okay, well, now we don't have to pay for the overhead on the school. We don't have to pay for these contracts. We're just going to go out and sign the people that we think deserve to be signed. Which yeah, that right. would that would be the, the argument for that, not, <laughs> not cancel NXT because it, it's not getting as good of ratings as AEW. Just move it to a different night, and their ratings will be very similar, I would assume, as we, as we saw when they're on different nights. I mean – you're you're gonna get a boost in ratings. It's 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 fucking ridiculous. And and then you're not even including the people that only pay for the WWE network to watch NXT pay per views who don't give a shit about your main product. So it's a very short sighted. All of the merch you're selling for NXT superstars. Try to fit. Okay, so like let's say you do do that. How are you booking Undisputed Era on SmackDown? Or you're just like, fuck everyone that's NXT. You guys are all fired. <laughs> you have two hours. It's a lot harder to get people over than people think. I also just want to note that technically there is a difference between 
development at the Performance Center and wrestling on NXT, uh, where when it was in full sale now, it's obviously in the Performance Center too, but you got to be there for a certain amount of time. And yeah, a lot of it has to do with your experience outside, you know, if you've had pro wrestling experience beforehand. But developmental is still a different concept than NXT itself and has vastly become different throughout the last couple of years, especially them now being on USA. So, I don't know. I just thought I'd bring it up because I'm dramatic. Yeah, man, I completely agree with you. But if you're just looking at it, if you're just looking at it from a pure financial standpoint and you're like, this is how this company would make money, is you just cut NXT, you cut the developmental part of NXT, not the actual show. Yep. Because that's where they're that's where they lose money is running the performance center and running those shows at at full sale. Now if you make it just like here's the under contract people and we're only signing people we know to some extent that gives a little bit of legs to the argument, but it's, it's still it's it's just a dumb argument to even make to some extent. Yeah. I'm not quite sure, but um, kind of just so we can wrap this up and get into NXT, since you brought up uh, ratings, it kind of proves it because they kind of hindered each other. Um, I know that they had a lot of competition. I'm pretty sure. What is basketball? Is is that basketball sport thing still going on at the same time? Is there any baseball games, Chris? Um, Headed into next week. No, I'm talking about uh, yesterday. Was there any competition major between sports outside of NXT and AEW? I don't think so, because hockey is tonight. So there was a a rest day in between. There may have been an NBA game. I'm not as versed in the world of the NBA, but that would have, no, because that would have pushed, that in theory would have pushed Dynamite Thursday. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I don't think so. Well, if that's the case, they really should fucking move other days, man, because Dynamite was down uh, at 886,000, uh, and it's been almost, it's been closing uh, uh, to a million, if if I'm not incorrect. NXT was down to 689,000, and that's been clearing over in the 800s to 900 uh, range. So AW ranked number three in cable on top 150. That's good. NXT ranked uh, 31. Uh, AEW ranked number 55 in viewership, while NXT was 65. Um, but yeah, uh, AEW 0.34 rating for the 18 to 49 demographic, and NXT was a 0.18. So just to make Chris Jericho happy, I thought I'd mention that too. They need it, NXT needs a, to move to to Tuesday and just make our lives easier because then we got we got Raw, then we have Impact and NXT, and then AEW, and then we talk about it, and then SmackDown, and then the weekend, which has pay per views, and we're watching way too much fucking wrestling, Chris. I'm watching way too much fucking wrestling, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I would say, if anything, you could look at the ratings and say maybe there's an oversaturation of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is all diehards. I mean, that watch NXT and, and Dynamite to some extent. I think you they're, can see that. They're the cannibalizing calls. each other, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is obvious now that they've got the change nights up. 
they have done better unopposed to each other. Well, I mean, the only time AEW's hit one million is when it was on a separate night. Yep. So even even if you're an AEW fan, you have to at least admit there's crossover between the two products. Nope, you can't. AEW's so much better. That's what Twitter says! God damn it! I mean, I personally prefer most of the Dynamite shows, but yeah. I'm not going to pretend like I don't flip between the two, depending on what segment is on, and there's a reason why I record both of them. Yeah, I, I think when it comes down to it, I think I've said this for a while, though, is when it comes to the actual show and the excitement and, you know, it's it's fun. It does remind me of Nitro during the time period that I loved Nitro and, and, and whatnot. Um, I give it to AEW, the look, everything. But consistency when it comes to good wrestling and not being so nonsensical and not caring about the rules. I usually think that NXT pulls that off a lot of times. I would say 9 out of 10. I would also say, if you're looking at NXT's ratings versus AEW right now, um, we have no idea what the title picture at NXT looks like. And, yeah. and they just lost their top star in Keith Lee. So they have a little bit of rebuilding to do. They lost Keith Lee and Killer Cross back to back. Yeah, and and <laughs> a guy they had waiting in the wings with the artist. I don't know why I can never think of his name. I can only think of that terrible gimmick they were trying to saddle him with. Uh, they lost a, a lot of stuff that they were going to try to do. The Velveteen Dream thing didn't help. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying their dad they, division has been fucking just completely torn apart. Right now, they're trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, and to some extent, it's their fault for hot ship shot booking, um, but there is other circumstances surrounding that. Well, I will say that some of the finest chicken salad on the show, um, and if someone, you know, once again, it's great because it's a, it's a women's wrestling match, and we're getting to, I think, normalizing this concept of just being good wrestling matches, but... If you were to say that Io Shirai against Shotzi Blackheart was the best match on NXT, I don't think I'd argue with you. I don't know if I'd agree it personally, but it was one of my favorites. Uh, these ladies just... I love Shotzi. She's fun. You know, I love I love her doing the... Ow, 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 all that type of shit. You know, she's just... She's a fun character. Her look's cool. And I, I agree with Stu Bennett. By the end of this match, even though she lost, it was very much a star-making performance. Like, she really... EO made her look awesome. And yeah, there was that fuck up and it was EO's fault because she's, she's the one in position where Shotzi should be. And obviously she does that amazing moonsault, but she doesn't look well, if you're not looking and you put person in a certain place, you might not hit them. So that was the only botch really I, I can remember in the match. And basically she just drove her fucking knees into Shotzi's ribs. It looked painful as hell, but it definitely looked like it, it, it would hurt. So um, I just I, I enjoyed this match. I thought the ladies worked well together. Uh, you know, I uh, I, I I liked it. I, I thought it was pretty good. What, what what do you think, Chris, about this opening? I have to agree with you. I have to agree with you. I thought this was a really really great match. I don't know if it was my favorite of the night, but it was damn good. Um, outside of the one botch that you pointed out, which was just scary, because anytime you drive your knees from a height into someone's rib cage. Uh, shit can go awry. 
But uh, outside of that, I mean, I thought it was a really damn good match. And I don't know if I'd call it a star-making performance, but it definitely puts Shotzi in the conversation of someone who could go for a title in the future. Yep. Um, and she has a great gimmick, so we'll see. I mean, I, th- I think they've done a good job of highlighting her, and it seems like that's someone they're behind in this match with her and EO. I, it didn't hurt Shotzi at all to take a loss here from a very strong champion. Yep. I agree, and it was nice to see, uh, you know, uh, Shotzi and Shirai, you know, lifting each other's hands and whatnot, and beforehand when she went for the handshake, you know, Shirai just being this badass warrior just smacked her hand out of the way and was like, let's do this. So, I love you, Shirai. I think she's a great champion. I think she's going to be losing that belt sometime soon to Rhea Ripley. Um, but then again, I don't know what they do. It seems like Rhea should be moving at some point. I think October is definitely going to shape all that up uh, forcibly. But, um, yeah. So we had uh, Desmond Troy going against Tommaso Ciampa. Um, oh, it also was announced, I'm sorry, there's going to be a battle royal next week for the number one contenders for the women. I don't have the list in front of me, but it's pretty much everyone that you could think of. Tegan Knox is involved, so is Candice LeRae, so expect them to fuck each other over to some extent. Uh, Shotzi's in it. I know Rhea Ripley's in it. You know, it's all the major people, and I'm I'm, uh, I'm assuming that this is where Rhea's going to get uh, the win and go against Io Shirai, but we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, Desmond Troy versus Tommaso Ciampa. Not much talk about this. Pretty similar to the MJF concept, except for not a quick win, a beat the fuck down and then a win. Um, but yeah, just Tomas Ciampa with the mask, with the demeanor back to being his old evil self. I fucking love it. Uh, and I mean, he just beat the living crap out of this Troy dude and, uh, just did the, uh, draping DDT from the second rope, got the pin after match. Uh, he was standing tall and Jake Atlas, uh, Came out and called him out. He had a steel chair with him. He addressed the recent attack that Ciampa had done uh, previous week. And he's going to show Ciampa how dangerous he can be. And Ciampa just smiled at Atlas while he stormed off. So, uh, yeah, man. What do you think about the match with Tomas Ciampa and Desmond Troy? And what do you think about who do you think is going to win that battle royal to be the number one contender? I think the betting odds are Rhea. I'm I'm on the same page as page as you especially the way they played out the candace LeRae thing a little later in the show with their house all still being fucked up etc for the chompa thing i mean chompa just whipped the shit out <laughs> uh what was with the mask he wore on the entrance that it was creepy curiosity people uh, compared it oh, to I- lij a little bit something they would do which I kind of dig. Yeah. Um, the draping wow, DDT yeah. finish. Is that a shot at Randy Orton? And are they still going to try to do that somewhere <laughs> down the road? God, I hope so. And no, I he's been doing that for a while. He just he does he doesn't pull their legs out. He just does like a straight, you know. He did that with Johnny Gargano is when he started doing it during their matches. But that's not been his finish before though, right? Uh, it was the only time I think he really was known for using it as a finisher is the one where Johnny exposed the wood and then Tommaso brought him around there and then j- pulled Johnny in, did that DDT on the wood and then one, two, three. 
So I think he's done it a couple times in the past. I don't know. Uh, we got two awesome fucking beatdowns in a row. I do look forward to uh, J- Jake Atlas versus Champa. Hopefully he gets a little more offense than poor Desmond Jesus. Troy. But uh, I like this. I like the idea of Champa being a fucking monster again. Um, and then well, I'll let you talk about these vignettes, but we had a similar ass whipping right right after. All right, so Jake Drake Maverick is shown arriving at the building. Uh, he asks about teaming with Killian Dane tonight. Maverick is a bit nervous, but somewhat confident that everything will be just fine, no matter how you know Dane went against him and punched him in the face the last couple of weeks. Uh, but we go to break. We come back from the break, and there's a video promo for uh, Finn Balor. Balor addresses another top NXT superstar and brags about last week's vacant title win over Adam Cole. He says having a title around his waist makes him the top title in WWE. It doesn't matter. And they have like, they show, he said, it doesn't matter what part of the world. And then they show uh, Walter over in the UK. doesn't matter which show. And then they show Roman Reigns and uh, what you call it? Um, uh, oh, Drew McIntyre with their titles. Basically, Balor is the best champion. Balor is is the greatest, but he's been fighting for over 20 years, and he's the second champion, uh, sec- or a two-time champion. Tells everyone to form a line, warning them to look both ways before you come at the prince. God, dude, how the fuck did they have him just smiling in the fucking WWE, Chris? Uh, you got me. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, it turns out if you let Prince Devitt be Prince Devitt, he's pretty fucking good. Who would have known? Uh, it's it's. I, they really didn't know what to do when he came back off that injury with the way the rest of that landscape happened. So I'm not going to completely blame WWE, but they should have figured this out way sooner than they have. Um, yeah, this vignette was great. I think all of these NXT vignettes, I've, I've yet to see one that is bad. As far as an actual vignette pretty- goes, they, they do a fucking great job with these. And uh, man, I, I like, I it's too bad that they're not just going to do champion versus champion versus champion versus champion or some weird shit. That'd be great. After this vignette kind of makes me want to see Roman versus Finn, um, <laughs> especially heel Roman. Um, they got yes, four I, I like this. champions, man. If you think about it, they really That'd do. And only, awesome. only one's American really, <laughs> which is interesting. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. So and the like, UK champion is not the one from the UK. The other two are, or no, one's from Scotland. That's well, different. Yeah. Never mind. So it's 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 it's. I liked this a Was lot. It? The the Drake Maverick shit. I'm done. I'm done with it. He's he's a he's fucking he's a geek. <laughs> I don't feel sympathetic yeah. for Drake Maverick at all. Sorry. You, they wasted what he he cut this amazing promo had this awesome run at the cruiserweight title and then they have just completely treated him like Santino Morella or some shit. It's terrible. God, he could have, I don't know. I actually, it, this, this might sound weird, but I wish he was back at impact. 
at least when they treated him as a comedy character there, he was more relevant. Yep. All right, so we had a match like you were kind of insinuating, I believe, uh, with Austin Theory and Kushida. So Austin Theory comes out, he's talking shit, uh, you know, just how awesome he is and that it was a fluke the week previous with Bronson Reed, starts talking shit about Bronson Reed, and throws out an open challenge. Well, Mr. Pissoff Kushida, who is not happy ever since he got injured from Velveteen Dream, came back, beat the living fuck out of him, uh, he wants a fight. And dreams out, so uh, he he answers Austin Theory's a uh, nice little challenge, <laughs> and once again, man, it was Austin Theory showing that he's a very good uh, uh, person at selling, and getting his ass kicked from Kushida, and Kushida <laughs> looked like a fucking monster, just like patted him in a fucking submission, and is like just elbowing him in the head at the same time and shit, just being vicious, and uh, yeah. Uh, he got the hoverboard lock, and uh, Theory quickly tapped out. So I don't know what the hell this means for, for Theory, uh, but I love Kushida looking like a fucking badass. And afterwards, uh, Kushida keeps the hold locked, and the referee has to pull him off. He stands tall, and his arms raise as his music hits. He announces for focus on the new aggressive side of Kushida. Go to replays. Theory struggles, Theory struggles to recover on the outside as Kushida stands tall in the ring. And we go to commercial. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just thought that Kushida... I don't think this is a heel turn. I think that this is Kushida just turning it up a notch and letting his blood boil. And he's going to fuck motherfuckers up and show that not only is he a great high flyer, flyer, but he's one of the greatest technical wrestlers of his generation. So, uh, fuck you yeah on that. Feel bad for Austin Theory, though. I don't even feel bad for Austin Theory because his ass whooping was so good. Oh my god! Yeah, he is good. Uh, this was great. I I love this. As far as just like a straight beatdown type match goes, this was my favorite out of all of the squash matches. And I'm sorry, Austin Theory, this was a squash match. I I don't know if they told you anything differently, but Jesus Christ! Because uh, she looked like a million bucks here. Hopefully, they do something relevant with him. Make this guy a star. Uh, Big Vinny V from uh, <laughs> F4W said he gave this match one billion stars. <laughs> so <laughs> Awesome. I don't uh, know if I'll give it one billion stars, but it was pretty fucking great. <laughs> uh, you know what's not great is these segments at the uh, Gargano household. So it's two of them. They're bitching about watching, I think, Friends reruns or some shit. In the guest house because TV got fucked up from the food fight that was just a bowl of pasta on Johnny's head, salad, and a, and some water. Um, can you tell that I love this angle? If you want to have Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox in a match, I mean, just have them. They're both badasses. Quit. This is this is stupid. This is beneath. I think both of them. They'll have a great match, but the, the build up to it sucks, and this makes Johnny look even more like a little bitch. Than he already has been trying to be a swarmy heel. We'd like you better as a babyface, Johnny. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, they're mad about television. And Gargan- or uh, Candace says that she's going to uh, take the number one in the battle royal and uh, I guess eliminate Tegan. This is this is good stuff. It's good television, Chris. Uh huh. Ex- explain to me how it's good. No, I'm just kidding. 
Um, yeah, no, this is awful. I like that they it's didn't like clean their house for a. F- I like how I like they didn't clean their house for a full week. They're just like fuck it. <laughs> they don't have like a maid or. <laughs> Am I the only one that thought about this? Am I the only person that was like, "What the fuck is going on?" They still there's still salad and shit everywhere. <laughs> when he mentioned that, that that did kind of pump in, or pop in my head about. Wait a minute. So are you telling me that you just left the house just disgusting for a whole entire week and you've just been like living in the uh, the guest bedroom? It's kind of weird. You're going to have to you're going to have to burn it down if spaghetti's just been sitting out in your house for a week. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can clean that up. Like, who's a who who do you call? Call Kenny Omega. He's the cleaner. I think we need to call the fiend so he can have a match with Johnny Gargano and put him back to where he was fucking three years ago. <laughs> That's a good call. <laughs> hey, man. They can have a spaghetti house match <laughs> in, which, <laughs> in which they go back in time and we get to see all the highlights from Gargano versus Ciampa. Let's get weird. Let's get Rob Zombie to film a segment where the fiend shows up at the Garganos and stalks them the whole entire time. And at the end of it, instead of killing Johnny, he's like, do I have a match? Okay, cool. And then, I don't know. That was, that's my idea. This totally feels like... Meetings with Vince. I think you guys should do this. That was, I, that was my idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, this is what I was going to say about uh, speaking of Vince. This feels like one of those things that they just won't let go of. They're like, we're going to make, make you <laughs> hate these guys as heels in a good way. It's like wow. they just keep pushing it and no one, no one is biting on it. I have not heard anyone, not even the diehardest of diehard NXT fans, explain to me how this is good. So if you're one of those diehard NXT fans that think that this is good, and aren't just looking forward towards, you know, Tegan Knotts and Candice Array having a match because I feel like there's other ways to get there. Uh, please at me at Chris Arpat on Twitter because I want to know how this is supposed to be good. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know anymore. You have two just prominent baby faces. And it's just interesting. She has purple hair now. It's not gray. I don't know I have a British accent. Anyways, uh, all right, so we had the NXT tag team title match. Imperium versus Brizongo. And uh, this is actually a really good tag match, man. Uh, they said it many times in the match. Barrett said it. Uh, Beth Phoenix said it. You know, it's good to see Brizongo, at least the last, what, two matches before this and this one. Their Their intensity has gone up. Because they promise that and then act like silly male strippers. And I get the shtick that we're not going to ever have them be 100% serious, as at least their characters. But in this match, they brought it. It's just a funny concept. I don't know. I can't tell if this has always been it, and I just didn't notice until now, that you have Fandango as the Ricky Morton just getting this, this larger guy than all the dudes in the ring, obviously visually. And he's the one who gets his ass kicked the majority of the match to tag in Tyler Breeze to come in and wreck house. It's that's the only thing, and it's they pull it off. But I noticed it last time, and now it's like, have they always done it like this? I don't know. Maybe they they've they've done uh, different things. But um, towards the end of the match, 
Fandango and Archer go at it. Fandango with Tornado DDT for a pop. Breeze and Bartel both uh, reach for tags. They get them, and Breeze drops Bartel first. Bartel unloads, but eats an Inziguri. Archer tags in for a big double team on Breeze. They go for the European bomb double team from the corner, but Fandango makes a save with a drop kick from behind to Archer. This leads to Breeze hitting a Hurricane Rana on Archer uh, and holding it for a pin to retain. After the match, uh, Breeze and Fandango stand tall with the titles as their music hits, and uh, yeah, they celebrate. So, pretty, uh, like I said, I think a pretty good match, man. Um, I don't know where they go from here with Fandango, but like I said, if we're not going to get them 100% not silly outside of the ring, I'm glad they're bringing up the intensity inside of it. What do you think, Chris? Oh, I like the match a lot. I don't know what it means for Imperium taking two losses to uh, Brazongo, other than they're probably going back to the NXT or uh, NXT UK. Um, but the match itself, I like. I'm going to be so mad at them. They're going to have to do some <laughs> fucking push ups. They lost the fucking titles. <laughs> um, God damn it. You know, it's I never really thought about it when Brazengo was the tag team champions beforehand because it was the matches were all really short and it wasn't really built around their in-ring skill. It was just built around the backstage comedy they were able to accomplish on SmackDown. But I'm assuming that <laughs> that maybe they've always done this just because Fandango is just really great at selling. Like I don't know, but it's it, a weird you're right. Concept. It is a little bit weird that you wouldn't have uh, the pretty boy, Prince Pretty, as he would call himself, uh, the one taking the ass whipping. But uh, hey, man, it works. They've had some really good matches, especially with Imperium. So look forward to seeing who their opponents are going to be next. I mean, is it going to be Killian Dane and Drake Maverick? That's the real question. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's going to be the Rocky story of all time with both of their careers. Um <laughs> God damn it. Anyways. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, you know, what if they just drop the titles and Brazingo comes back up to the main roster? <laughs> they also need help up there. So, fuck. I'm fine with that. Uh, Zia Lee and Jesse Kamea went against uh, Kaden Carter and Casey Canazaro. I thought, I noted that I think I said this before. Zia Lee has such a cool entrance. Very stiff. Um, but uh, Jesse Kamea, this is like the... They, they've thrown her in now, I think, like, like it's like her fifth match. I believe she's done great every single time. I think she's lost every single time. But uh, I think she came from Evolve, if I'm not 100% mistaken. But obviously someone from the Performance Center they've been doing stuff with. But the winners... Again, Caden Carter and Casey Canizaro, I like them as a tag team. I think Caden Carter has a very unique look to her. Uh, I've said that a bunch. I think she's she's good in the ring. I mean, shit, if you could get her up on the main product and her and Naomi together, they're different contrast and looks, but similar. You know, one's like darker. The other one's more bright. One likes pink and fucking light blue. The other one likes like neon green and stuff like that. You could have them as a badass tag team. Um, just 
throwing that out there, WWE, if you if you want to listen. And Kanazaro, she didn't do anything too crazy tonight, but she's uh she's pretty good inside the ring herself. She's definitely someone that can do some pretty crazy shit. So I like this tag team. Uh, how'd you feel about this, Chris? I like this tag team a lot, and I hope they're keeping them together as a tag team. I'm glad to see Casey Catanzaro uh, get a win. So I, the more they stay together as a tag team, the the better I think they are. It's definitely rising stock for both of them, even if they don't decide to utilize them in the female tag division. Maybe at least you can do some kind of cool story with a big breakup and, and try to put both of these people over because – uh, Casey Catanzaro, I, I could see as someone that young fans could get behind, um, being a little smaller and so athletic and you can pull up all of the stuff she did with what was an American Ninja warrior. I feel like mm-hmm. that's someone you, you can, you can definitely push. Uh, Kaden Carter also looked good here too. So not, not taking anything away from her. Um, Zia Lee, they, have they soured on her or something? I, she, she kind of fucked up. A couple wrestlers, I think, back to back to back, broke someone's nose. So I don't know if they kind of just put the brakes and ease it on her right now. But I mean, even where she's at, she's still she looks badass. She's that woman's division so stacked, it's ridiculous. It really is, and I think that it's good that they're trying to build some tag teams from from underneath to some extent. And this is a cool, and- this is a cool babyface tag team, I think. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, the, what other female tag team are you going to put them against on on the main product? Like, uh, they're the best one, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to say Sasha and Bailey are the best tag team on the main roster. It's like, well, they're kind of the only one. So, <laughs> well, not not anymore. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, well, uh, I, I mean, don't. I guess I Shana don't know if I wanted but... them to go against Shayna and Nia, though. That's for sure. That would be uh not good for those ladies. Oh, well, it could be really good for them if they, you know, the idea is that Nia and Shane are going to turn each other, turn on each other anyway. So you might as well just put the titles on someone you can build around. Right, Dude, actually, now that you just mentioned that, that's a cool concept. If, if uh, for some reason they go to NXT to talk some shit, and throughout the match, Shane just says "fuck you" to Nia, and then they get a win over Nia and bring the the tag titles over to NXT, that would be a interesting way to go about it. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I mean, there's a lot of cool things they could do, and I think the, the start of it is putting some people together in NXT and slowly trying to build that division. Otherwise, I defunct these belts, I yep. guess. <laughs> or just put those yep. belts on NXT and allow people to know how to make tag teams. <laughs> I, that's I've been sticking for a long fucking time, uh, and they have such a huge women's division. They can actually do a couple tag teams that are good. Uh, now the men's side, on the other hand, now it's getting so abysmal. I just think they should just go cross brand all three of them with both fucking tag titles, just unify that shit. I just get to that point where it's fucking silly. Anyways, other other than the other than the just the travel schedule limitations or how annoying that would be. There's no reason why you couldn't have one tag team across all three brands. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. It just makes sense, man. I mean, I think about, there's like, like I said, we kind of like, we're talking about the same thing applies to NXT and some of them are even more irrelevant. 
because like even though I like them, now you're talking about Everrise <laughs> as uh, tag teams. But there's like five in each division, fifteen tag teams, and an actual structured badass tag team that travels brands like they should be doing with NXT with the women's tag too. I mean, if you had that setting, I think that makes them more prestigious and just gives you a more variety of matches on all shows. But then again, it kind of also makes the separation of NXT, Raw, and SmackDown kind of silly to an extent. But I don't know. I I think the one thing NXT could do to help bolster their tag brand, and this will probably never happen, would be to go out and sign someone like the Briscoes to have a big-name tag team. Because otherwise, it's going to be really hard for you to build tag teams around people who aren't conceived as stars yet. Yep. Or if you can get Cowboy James Storm and Bobby Roode to do something together again. You know what I mean? It, it with You had a bunch of built-in really good tag teams for AEW, and NXT had promoted all of theirs to the main roster. That's one thing they're lacking. So if you put a tag team match on on. NXT versus whatever is going on in AEW, it's going to look kind of Kmart-ish. Yep. I agree. I don't know. Uh, Alright, so Drake Maverick finds Killian Dane backstage, asking if he's ready. Dane asks for what? Maverick reminds him that they have teamed together. Dane says he told Drake last week they're not friends and they're not partners. Dane tells Drake to handle it himself, Drake says that's great, and he will see Dane out there. Dane watches as Drake walks away. Uh, and then we had a little segment with Tegan Knox uh, bitching, you know, about Candace and how she's going to take her out in the Battle Royal and become number one contender for the uh, NXT Women's Championship. Really solidifying that they're going to probably screw each other over that, and we're going to get, hopefully, a good match between the two of them. What do you think about these two segments, Chris? Well, I hate the Drake Maverick shit. Uh, what was the second one? I think I missed. I cut out for a sec. Tegan Knox bitching about uh, Candace and how she's going to beat her in the Battle Royal and then, of course, become number one and not fuck each other over, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, the promo itself was fine, but once again, that storyline is kind of the drizzling shit. So, yeah, yay to both of those. All right, so... Yeah, we had um, Undisputed Eric going against Killian Dane and Drake. Uh, this is uh, Red Red Dragon. No, no, no. This was Ro- Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish. This also brings up a really weird element after the ne- next segment after this, but we'll get to that. So, um, basically, the match Killian Dane is not. I don't think he even comes out until later on the match. And it's just Drake trying to win between the two of them. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I think William Regal came up to him. This one I'm, I'm kind of foggy with. Uh, but so, yeah. So towards the end, Drake is still getting dominated when we see NXT general manager William Regal approach Dane backstage asking if he's really going to let this happen. Dane asks if Regal wants him to go out there. Dane walks off. Uh, Drake is still getting dominated in the ring. Strong and Fish toss him out on the floor with ease. Dane comes walking down the ramp, and Drake looks up to see him. Dane puts Drake in the ring and tells him to take it like a man. Dane walks back up the ramp 
to the back now. Strong and Fish yell at him, telling him to beat it and calling him a fat boy. Then that pisses off Dane. He turns around. Drake is tossed into him, but Dane sidesteps. Strong runs away, but Dane uh, yanks Fish from the ring uh, to the floor, and he starts uh, landing some shots on him. Dane comes in and uploads on uh, on Strong now. Fish comes back to the apron, but Dane knocks him off the floor. Dane goes back to work on Strong, uploading in the corner as the referee warns him. Fish runs back in with the steel chair and decks Dane with it. The referee calls for a DQ. So after the match, uh, Dane fights off Fish with the chair, sending uh, it to the floor. He then tosses Strong into Fish, and they end up on the floor after Drake comes back to help Dane. They announce the winners as Drake gets hyped up. Fans cheer as Drake yells about he and Dane being a tag team now. Uh, Dane just pulls back and drops Drake with a big punch to the mouth. Dane marches to the back uh, for, for, from his music. So, yeah. Um, if the idea is to get them in a tag team, it's interesting. <laughs> but this is a really fucking weird way to get them into a tag team. And I liked it that it seemed Dane was into it for like a split second afterwards. But... Drake kept on pushing him, like, yeah, 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 boom, punch, right, just done. Um, just uh, strange, man. <laughs> what, do you, what did you think? I just wrote, this fucking sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's undisputed error. They're in here for this? <laughs> yeah, okay. it's a good point. Cool. At least I know where they're at right now on the card. Well, that's another weird thing, and it's weird that you should say it. So a cameraman catches up with Jake Atlas in the parking lot, asking about Tommaso Ciampa and next week's match. Atlas talks about Ciampa uh, lightning a fire under him, but Ciampa suddenly attacks him out of nowhere. He starts uploading on Atlas, talks trash while beating him around. Kyle O'Reilly and a few uh, officials come over. O'Reilly yells at Ciampa, telling him, to save it for next week because this is a parking lot. Ciampa taunts Atlas with a few words as officials check on him while he's down. O'Reilly uh, watches as Ciampa backs away. All right, so even though he was helping them beat the shit out of Drake Maverick, I think the week before, Kyle O'Reilly now comes to the aid of someone randomly in the parking lot, a thing that they've basically done in the past where they've jumped out and beaten the crap out of someone and drove off. But now he, Tommaso Ciampa took it too far. So we have that aspect. We have obviously with Adam Cole being so goddamn babyface last week, but then consistently Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish at least have been beating the shit out of people and just healing it up. So what the hell's going on with the Undisputed Era? I thought this might be the three of them beating the crap out of Adam Cole and telling him to fuck off, but now Kyle O'Reilly is showing babyface tendencies. What do you think about all this, Chris? I think they have no fucking clue what they're doing, Dane. That's, that's what I think. I, I don't know. I've, maybe it seems like they're testing the waters to see which way they want to split up the Undisputed Era. I thought they had it, though, pretty easy. I thought, you know, you just have the three of them beat the crap out of him. Roderick's good to be... They're a good trio where they can be a tag team. 
between the three of them, you know, with the free bird rules that they have. Or Roderick is good to be a single star. You have the three of them together, and Adam Cole becomes a babyface. Like, what the fuck? Why is Kyle O'Reilly helping people? No. Kyle O'Reilly could fill in as, like, a Johnny Gargano thing, as a, a white meat babyface. He's played that role in the past. Telling you, they need to put. If they're not going to put Johnny back as a babyface, we need a heel DIY to help out that tag division. Well, I mean, I don't know how much that helps out Champa with what they've done with Gargano as of late. But, uh, <laughs> oh man, I don't know. You had me stumped on this one. Like I, like I said, I just, I think, I don't think they know what they're doing. I guess we'll see next week. We have like all of these weird ass matches to set up a pay-per-view on October 3rd, which by the way is today's date, the 17th, <laughs> like a week and a half away, two weeks away. Yeah, man, it's close. Oh, that's weird. All right. So back from the break and we get a video from NXT general manager, William Regal. He announces a few first ever type of match, the gauntlet eliminator. He invented for next week. The match will feature five top NXT superstars. Two superstars will start the match, and every four minutes, a new competitor will enter. The only way to eliminate is by pinfall or submission. The last man standing will be crowned the new number one contender for the title match when NXT champion Finn Balor at TakeOver on Sunday. October 4th. Uh, he wishes them b- both good luck. I mean, I wish them both good luck. He announces hype this match for next week, along with the number one contenders battle royal for the next challenger for the NXT Women's Champion, Yo Shirai, and Tommaso Ciampa versus Jack Alice. What do you think about this gauntlet match, Chris? It's something. That's one way to get to a pay-per-view. So, it's Adam Cole and who? And who? I don't know. I did, I, did they announce the five superstars? I can look it up. No, I'm just assuming one is Adam Cole. Oh. Yeah, Adam Cole. Um, I mean, I guess... I don't know why you wouldn't put Chompin' Johnny in there. Dream... Well, he's out, quote-unquote, injured because of Kushida. Okay. Uh, I guess Thatcher, even though he just lost. I guess Bronson Reed. I'm trying you to think Bronson. of people that were in that ladder match. You can do Bronson. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Damian Priest has the title, so I don't think he's going to be in it. Yeah, that, yeah. Isaiah Swerve Scott. Sure, throw him in it. That'd be cool. I'm just trying to think of five people that would put on a good match. Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. This is where it comes to <laughs> comes to blows. We'll get our answer next week. That would make too much sense. Yep. And who does who does that nowadays? All right. Well, our last match is uh, Timothy Thatcher and Damian Priest, man. And this was a pretty damn good match. Uh, very hard-hitting. Timothy Thatcher, lots of... You know, it was good to see Damian Priest flex his technical muscles because 
I think it, it, it at least looks very difficult to keep up with Thatcher because not only is he fast, but he's very aggressive about getting in set positions and shit. Uh, so, you know, it's he's he's basically a modern shooter. If you don't know what that means, look it up and don't get mad at me. Anyways, so towards the end, uh, Priest looks to rock Thatcher, but Thatcher goes for the arm. Uh, Priest blocks the uh, Fujiara armbar and rocks Thatcher with two big kicks to put him down. Priest goes uh, for a springboard kick but misses as Thatcher moves. Thatcher takes Priest down into a submission on the hurt left arm. Uh, Priest fights the Fujiwara armbar off again. They trade strikes on their feet now. Priest uploads with kicks to kick Thatcher back to his knees. Thatcher catches a kick and eats a big right hand, but sweeps Priest to the mat. Thatcher tries to turn into a single leg crab, but Priest gets out. Thatcher takes him back down to the leg. Thatcher gets a crab applied now as the crowd rallies around Priest. Priest crawls to the bottom rope, but Thatcher breaks the hold. Priest with another big kick. They trade more strikes. Thatcher catches a shot and takes Priest down into the Fujiwara armbar in the middle of the ring. Priest screams out uh, and looks for the bottom rope. He gets his boot on the rope to break the submission. Priest ends up getting free and hitting a big leaping flatliner. Uh, Priest follows up with a sit-down chokeslam south of heaven for a close two-count. They tangle some more, and Thatcher goes for the Fujiwara armbar again. Priest nails big kick to the jaw to stun Thatcher. Priest goes on uh, back to the top and hits a spinning heel kick. Priest yells out and nails the reckoning for the pin to retain uh, in the middle of the ring. After the match, Priest takes the title and stands tall as his music hits. Priest continues his celebration with the North American title as NXT goes off air. Uh, but yeah, pretty good match. Uh, Timothy Thatcher, soon if you keep on beating him, it's not going to do him any good. You know, he's still tough and he's still convincing, but he loses a lot. So that's the only thing I can really say um, is troubling. I didn't expect him to win this. You know, I kind of knew that going in. Uh, but Priest continues to progress progressively get me a little bit more into him where I definitely, I don't, I don't think me or you, Chris, were that positive on him uh, when he kind of showed up uh, originally. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's doing some pretty cool stuff. I like it. I like it. What do you think? Ever since he's gotten the title, he's got a different swagger to him. Some of the promos and stuff he's cut going into this, the well-equipped promo was really good when he pointed down at the belt. <laughs> He's like, I think I'm pretty well equipped. That's pretty funny. Um, in ring, he seems like he's, I don't know, it seems like he's had a resurgence or something. Uh, so I like Damian Priest here. I think that you're spot on with Timothy Thatcher. <clears throat> he needs a win or something, especially if you're just going to keep putting him in these situations. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, that's the big question is what are you going to do with Timothy Thatcher now? Because he's lost to Damian Priest twice. Um, so, I mean, to me, that feud should be done. Yeah, man. Uh, he lost to Finn. I think he lost to Finn twice, if I'm not mistaken. I think he lost to Bronson Reed. 
not the best look after a while. Yeah, I mean, they gave him some meaningful wins there for a little bit, but they were also against people like Oni Lorcan and... I'm trying to think of who else. Oni Lorcan. It was Oni Lorcan and Orni Lorcan. <laughs> okay, so maybe him versus Kushida, and that could be a good feud. Oh, that... They need to get to there if they're not thinking about that right now. You need to call them. Call call Hunter tomorrow. <laughs> hey, Christopher, how you doing tonight? Yeah. What were, what were you trying to say? What was your idea? Well, I mean, it can't be my idea right now because you still have Velveteen Dream versus Kushida. You have to get to at some oh, point. don't worry. We fired him ten minutes ago. We haven't released it to the public yet. It's uh, it's messy. <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, then sure. Why not Timothy Thatcher versus Kushida? Fuck, put them in a tag team together. <laughs> why not? God damn, dude. Uh, that would be great. That'd be a great match. That's something they can do. Obviously, right now they would have to have Kushida win, which doesn't help my Thatcher situation. I mean, hell, have him run through the undisputed era since they're a bunch of fucking geeks who lost to <laughs> Drake Maverick with no tag team partner earlier tonight. Kind of. Yeah, I don't even know what the hell that means. Oh, uh, here's some. Here's some news, Chris. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but I just found it. I was look, looking at the interwebs before we, we left the show. Apparently, uh, Mr. Ricochet uh, turned down those rumors that he is leaving. Uh, on his Twitter account, he said he put a thing up, uh, about rumors going around. And I don't know what the gif is, but I think it's someone hitting themselves in the face with paper. But then he put, but seriously, what the where the hell did these rumors start? I've never said once that I'm leaving to anyone. So for these quote-unquote dirt sheets out there, maybe fact-check before you just blast some trash on your website for some clicks. So I don't know who he's referencing. I, I didn't even see a report that Ricochet was leaving, but why? God damn it. I haven't I haven't heard any reports of Ricochet leaving either. The last thing I heard about this is when people brought up in discussion if he thought he should leave. And his reaction was, I know I'm perfectly happy with what I'm doing in WWE. So I, I think that's ridiculous considering what a high-profile wrestler he was coming into that company. But if he's happy with what he's doing, I mean, who am I to say, hey, you should totally quit your job where you're making lots of money? <laughs> I guess you're right. Just sad. Just very sad. Oh, God. What are you going to do? You know? But, I mean, um, the rumors, I, I would assume the rumors are starting up because G1 is starting up. And his contract is should be due shortly. So maybe they thought he would be doing something in Japan. But I haven't heard that from, like, F4W or PW Torch or anything, as far as I'm aware. Which would be the two outlets I would trust on possible there's been conversations with other companies yeah it just what what do you anyways i i, I feel i feel verklempt i really do i i watched the baba streisand movie um but yeah that's another episode of wrestling Geeks alliance we're gonna end before it before we go that. what were we gonna say no real quick i'm just gonna run through these 10 matches Oh, you got the matches. Okay, well, then, yeah, let's talk about it. What the hell are you doing? So, (laughs) we have Will Ospreay versus Takahashi. Right now, Will Ospreay is favored to win by 83% betting odds. 
we have uh, Jeff Cobb versus Taichi, with Jeff Cobb uh, favored to win by 55%, which is not very much. Oh, he should definitely be Taichi. We have Ishii versus Minoru Suzuki. Oh, my God. (laughs) He is favored to win right now. Betting odds, 60%. Uh, We have Takagi versus Jay White. Jay White is uh, predicted to win by 60%, which I don't have any bet. And here is the big one, or the one that I am most looking forward to. Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi. It is split dead middle on winning probability at 54.1%. So I think you can throw this one up in the air and see who wins. Uh, We have Juice Robinson versus Yoshihashi. Juice is favored to win by 88, which kind of makes sense. Uh, We have Sonata versus Yano. Sonata is favored to win. (laughs) That that one, if I was going to be a betting man, I might just throw like $10 on Yano just because he wins weird-ass matches, and that seems like something that he might win uh, early in the tournament. (laughs) We have uh, Kenta versus Goto, with Kenta favored to win by 83%. And then another great match, which should be amazing, Evil versus Zack Sabre Jr., and Evil is favored to win by 80%, which I'm assuming that's him chasing back for that title with as far as that probability goes. Well, I'm very much excited about a lot of those matches. Uh, I'm terrified at the aspect of Takahashi and Will Ospreay going against each other, to be quite honest with you. Um, God, because they're scary, man. And it's like Takahashi, he's, he wants to keep on going full blast, but, you know, remember Misawa. Uh, I hate saying shit like that, but... Um, but yeah, man, I mean, some of those matches are going to be fucking awesome. Kota Bushi and, and Okada always bring it and it can go back and forth. I mean, my, one of my favorite matches when I first got introduced that I think you were the one who suggested was Tiger Mask W versus Okada. Um, and that was an awesome fucking match and I've seen them a million times, but yeah, those are, those are great. A couple of them are old rivalries. we got Ishii going against fucking Suzuki you got uh, the newer one between Goto and and Kenta. So, uh, who's J- Jay White going against Takahashi or um, no, Takagi? No. Takagi. That's another neat. I, I I like all those matches, man. Yeah, Exciting. they really did stack this, this these first ten matches. Next week or this weekend, we'll I'll have the full bracket, hopefully, with A and B. But this is. We weren't planning on talking about this, but once I brought up G1, I felt like it was needed. This begins on September 20th, um, so this Sunday. So when we do the show on Saturday, then I'll have to try to get this thing turned around pretty quickly, but we should have the full brackets and everything. But those are the big matches everyone's excited for going into this first round, and uh, there are some fucking bangers on there. Like you said, hopefully Osprey and Takahashi don't kill each other round one. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, to me, you're probably your main event is going to be Okada versus Kodo Ibushi. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, I love that the betting line is split dead down the middle on who you would put over in this match because I kind of feel with the way they've booked recently, I have no idea also. Dude, it's – I mean, it's – it's like Hogan and Warrior, you know what I'm saying? Like that level of like who could who's gonna do this? 
I mean, the only thing I would say is you Coda back at Wrestle Kingdom against Naito again. That might be the route they go. We'll have more predictions on the G1, but that, those are the matches, the betting odds so far. I thought that people would find that entertaining. I did. It's uh, We'll have to do some more New exciting. Japan G1 updates during our AEW NXT show going forward. Uh, kind of little breakdowns. Um, probably I'm going to ask from you. Uh, majority, <laughs> but I'll try to keep up with it as much as I can. At least you can update me uh, to what you end up watching. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> yes, which will be none of these uh, three-way matches. So we've tried to do that in the past. It's it's too much. It's too much reviewing all of the tag matches before the actual tournament matches. So if we do any kind of reviews, just heads up. I am not watching all of these tournament tag matches. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame you. I don't really care about Taguchi and three other people that are on the brink of extinction. Wrestling another group, and I love all the legends, but I'm just saying. Sometimes it's like, what is it like? Tiger Mask Six. He just he he looks like a like a stuffed animal that's just been loved too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and they always have him come out and have these awkward matches, and it's fine. And they play great crab ass and. You know, and then they'll have a match between two factions that don't get along, and they're having a match the next night. You know, and they'll do two of those. It's it's very uh, it's I love New Japan, but it's very them, if that makes sense. It's inter- it's entertaining if you're there live. If you're watching yeah. at home, and it's a three and a half hour show, <laughs> I need to cut as much of this out as possible when I get like two shows a week for the G1. <laughs> Yep. Um, so, but hey, I appreciate the matches. I understand why they do them for the live crowd. That's great. That's phenomenal. I'm just I'm giving everyone a heads up. If you're if you're here for the hot takes on the the tag matches this year, probably not getting any of those from me. Yeah, and I have to remember stuff. I have to start writing stuff down. I've realized it just it's getting bad. But here's the thing about writing stuff down. I don't know if you've had this problem too. When you write stuff down, you miss shit half the fucking time. Then you gotta rewind. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes when I write stuff down, it just go. It just as we had earlier, it just said that fucking sucked. And then when I read my notes, I'm like, oh well. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Chris. A couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt at the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on that note, I think we could say. This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed making it uh, with my co-host, Christopher, Brother Ray Patton. Say goodbye to all the wonderful people out there, Chris. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we will have some playoff updates. Stanley Cup right around the corner. We're at Game 7 right now with the Lightning and the Islanders, and that's on Skates to Throats. You can find that at all the similar outlets you can find this. And uh, if you want to talk to me on Twitter about hockey, football, um, wrestling, that's kind of it. Or a uh, rap or, or, you know, music of some sort. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. And uh, once again, thanks everyone for listening. Dane, I'm going to pass it back to you, but uh, thanks for having me as always. Oh, of course, man. Uh, it's always fun, uh, you know, going the ship and uh, sailing to fucking Nebraska, if that makes sense. That didn't make sense at all. Anyways, so like I was saying at the beginning of the show, uh, all of our past <laughs> listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. We enjoy you guys. Uh, and all of our new listeners, uh, if you're wondering where to find us, uh, just 
You can either go to geekvibesnation.com. That's geekvibesnation.com. You'll find news articles there and links to all of our shows and uh, part of Geek Vibes, uh, including ours, uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and uh, you know, links to our Facebook, at our Instagram, and at our Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, join the conversation. Join Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, you can message me on Twitter at Danels42. And uh, yeah, if you want to find different audio platforms besides that website, you can also just Google Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You'll pull up uh, many different options. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. We are on YouTube. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And we, like I said, we usually have two shows uh, that we have out, I'd say, Fridays and Sundays. Going over one with AEW and NXT like we did tonight. And one with Ron Smackdown. So keep on checking it out. Have a lovely evening. And as always, let the Geek Fives be with you. Peace out.